weirdly fleshy, but not in a good way. It's very strange. Hello and welcome to Dice Like Ice, episode 25. I'm your host, Tony Acton, and with me, as always, the Chucky Finster to my Tommy Pickles, Andrew Mitchell. Ooh, early 90s Nickelodeon early reference. Early 90s Nickelodeon, I know, right? Do they still... I, they can't be doing Rugrats anymore, right? I mean, not new episodes, I'm sure you can replay them. Yeah, because I think... Yeah, I'm trying to remember, because... They stopped, I think they stopped making new ones around when I was like 11 or 12 or something. And then they started doing that all grown up bullshit. And I'm yeah. like, this is actually really fucking bad. And also I'm, I'm 12 and I'm a big boy now. I don't care about <laughs> cartoons. So I say, as I watch Gundam and Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> Gundam's not a cartoon. It's just awesome. <laughs> it's not a cartoon. It's art. Exactly. Exactly. No, it was between. So. I almost did the Maurice Rodriguez to my auto rocket and go some classic rocket power. That was one of those shows that I would like, I would watch it, but I never really enjoyed it. Really? Oh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, like, I I think I'd probably seen the vast majority of that show just because it was on when I got back from school. Yeah, yeah. Or it'd be like summer, and it'd be like, oh, here's the fucking four-hour marathon of this show, and we're, you know, halfway through it, and mm-hmm. I have nothing to do. Right. Uh, now, there's a lot there of good lot cartoon of that. pairs that I could drop, so. Well, all right, we'll have to see if it's, uh, you know, Cartoon Network stuff, or, or Nickelodeon stuff, or yeah. fucking Disney Channel stuff. I don't know. Ooh, no, Disney Channel always. Yeah. It was never never as good as the other two cartoon network was where it was at followed oh, by what was what was the other kid's name in brink there was andy brink brinker what was his his buddy's name the, the fucking the roller skating movie yeah the roller skating movie <laughs> i think i saw that once so i don't remember anyone's name like literally the only thing <laughs> i remember about it apart from it being a roller skating movie is the intro scene where he's like gotta go skate mom and he just like slams <laughs> half a bottle of chocolate syrup <laughs> Oh, man. So when Disney Plus first came out, I was like, oh, fuck, it's all these Disney Channel original movies. So I, I fucking rewatched that. I rewatched uh, Smart House, which is a horrifying fucking movie, by the way. I remember being very strange as a kid. Yeah. Jesus Christ. It's terrifying. Uh, and then I rewatched Johnny Tsunami. That movie held up. <laughs> I, I forgot how just how many fucking Disney originals There's there were when so I was a kid. so many. We had Johnny Tsunami, the uh, surfer turned snowboarder. Yeah, and they're they're just kind of all bad. Like yeah, they're all you bad, know in a fun way. Yeah, yeah, but but they're all very not good. Yeah, but you know what is good, Andrew? Uh, our sponsors, like we always have. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what a transition. <laughs> uh, this week we are sponsored by Grip and Rip. Ow. That top did not want to go. Ow. Sounded like you struggled a bit there, Palio. I did. That's a that's like the second week in a row where that top that, just did not want to go. That is the fullest beer I have ever opened. Holy shit. What, what are you drinking, Andrew? Mm-hmm. Oh, we're doing a uh, uh, Athens favorite. We're doing a Creature Comforts Cocoa Bunny Milk Porter. Ah, oh, Creature Comforts, a- the ailed. anti-union brewery. Yeah, I was <laughs> sad yeah, to hear about that. Ditto. But, uh... 
you know, it's the South. Like, all of them are anti-union, unfortunately, because why, why would we work for our best interest? But anyway, uh, milk porter brewed with cacao nibs, coconut, and coffee. So just a, a, a nice, fun 6.5-er here. Yeah, well, um, I'm going with, uh, what? I don't even know what fucking company this is. Where is this? Pipeworks Brewing. Where I don't know where they're out of. Uh, neither do I. I think I've had Pipeworks before, though. I don't, I don't see on their can where they're out of, actually. It's Chicago. Chicago, that makes sense. Oh, yeah, Camden, Chicago, Illinois. But I'm doing their Phantom Unicorn, their barrel-aged imperial stout that is also a, uh, a cacao and vanilla fucking stout. It is a tall boy, and it is a 13.3. Ah, one of those days. That tastes like chocolate cake, and I don't know if I like it or not. <laughs> one of those ones where you get halfway through, and you're like, I'm not sure my stomach can handle the rest of this. Uh, it's, it's more the fact that's a real sweet fucking beer. Yeah, a lot of Imperial Stouts can can lean into just being a dessert sometimes. Ooh, yeah, that's which, real sweet. You get a bit of a roll of the dice. Sometimes you can get that nice balance where you're like, oh, that's that's chocolatey, but like it tastes like a beer. But sometimes they're just, they don't even care. Yeah, it's chocolate coconut. So, and I'm not a big coconut fan, but it's not bad. It's subtle in the background. As opposed that's to how it like, is with like, some motherfucker, yeah. I'm a coconut. And you're going to taste nothing but me. Yeah, I'm, I'm not big on coconut as well. Yeah, neither am I. But I, I was like, I'm going to give this a shot. And like Mounts I, bars, those can fuck off. Yeah, yeah, fuck Mounts. I don't even like Almond Joy. Almond Joy's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Fucking uh, under the radar candy bar, zero bars. I don't know if I've ever had that. They're in a silver wrapper. Uh, they're not super hard to find, but um, but they're really good. They're They're nougat bars. Ah, nougat, nougat does kick ass, so yeah. I can get behind that. Uh, caramel, peanut, almond, and nougat covered with white fudge. Introduced in 1920. Yeah, they're white good. White fudge, huh? Yeah, no, it's it's solid. It's a little bit of sweet, it's yeah. a little bit of saltiness. It's a nice, nice candy. Interesting. Hey, remember that time that we're like a, uh, a board game slash tabletop board gaming podcast? Look, we're a polygamerous podcast who also likes candy. And beer. Who also likes candy and beer. And early 90s We will take cartoons. sponsorships from either of those. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, Andrew, it's been a bit since we recorded. Well, I guess technically we recorded less than a week ago, but my internet was fucking itself, so... Yeah, we, we made it, like, two whole minutes into a recording and had to pull the ripcord, so, you know. Yeah, go figure. Tony Technology, they don't match well. Yeah, you don't have a great track record. I, I don't, I don't. But, uh, what you been working on this past month? Okay, well, you know, you know me, uh, you give me more than a week and I'll get a shitload done, so uh, here we go. Um, so we started off by, I uh, uh, just sat down a couple weekends ago, there we go, there uh, sat down a couple weekends ago, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I could feel it building, um, and I uh, I just decided to assembly line through the remaining armor on all of my, uh, my Chaos Warrior guys uh, for... Not just me, okay. No, no, uh, stouts, stouts will get to you, I guess. Yeah, well, that was fast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, assembly lining the armor on my Slaves to Darkness, guys. Uh, so I just did the basic, you know, paint it, uh, metal color, did the contrast, did the wash, highlighted the gold, you know, just my stuff to get that uh, very old, uh, corroded, uh, coppery effect. 
Uh, but I did that to a Chaos Lord. A, uh, sorry, no, I did that to Mibelord Darkfang, the uh, Warhammer Plus specific Chaos Sorcerer, and all of her, names. all of her mooks. Uh, I love her little familiars; they're so fun. Uh, I did it to Eternus and, and all the armor and barding on his uh, his mount. I did it to ten warriors, five Chaos Knights, and the Gorbeast Chariot. So uh, a lot of that good stuff going on there. Uh, and speaking of chaos, I painted completely a chaos lord, uh, the guy who has like he's got the the horns and he has like the the big spear in one hand, kind of an older model, but not one of like the super old ones, because uh, that was in the Vanguard box. Otherwise, I wouldn't have gotten him. Uh, I also did the Manticore chaos lord, Manticore and guy on the back. Got all of that completely done. Um, just have to go in and put in the uh, texture paints to get that crackly effect on the lava bases. Um, I did 10 Chaos Warriors not too long ago. Uh, man, I've gotten a lot done since the You've last time we recorded. a lot done. I haven't gotten a whole lot done. Uh, uh, 10 Chaos Warriors from the floor up, just did the whole thing. Uh, I also just recently finished Mibelor Darkfang and her Familiars, which was super fun. Um, painted them up in like three days. They were very fast and easy because, yeah. you know, when when one of your guys is like an inch and a half tall, there's really just not much to paint on them. <laughs> I love that fucking model. Oh, they're so funny. I, I love the little knight with the giant sword and the, the just the weird little lizard guy who's just tooting on a horn made out of a femur yeah. bone and the the fucking pot that's got a mouth and legs. It's, it's just great. It's super fun. It's well worth it just for the familiars, let alone her actually being just a really cool, interesting, different chaos sorcerer lord than they already had. Um... I fully built and painted the new Squig Boss model, the one that's got the Doctor Doom mask and is kind of reminiscent of the old uh, Scarstick model where he's, he's got the, the big uh, squig on a chain. Uh, super fun, characterful model. Another one that I finished in just like two or three days. Super fast and easy. Um, to commemorate uh, the Gits getting a new codex that doesn't completely... Sorry, Battle Tome that doesn't completely <laughs> suck, uh, I picked up also another Dankhold Trogoth, which I was as I was painting him, I realized that that was my first Age of Sigmar model specific that I ever got. I had painted some previous Warhammer Fantasy stuff for use in D&D, but... I had watched a, uh, a mini war gaming uh, battle report where a guy played an all troll list, and I was like, oh, those are actually kind of cool. I'll look into them. Oh, this model's really neat. I'll pick one up and give it a paint. And that was like five years ago, and that's just been where most of my hobby energy goes now. So I, uh, it was it was a fun, nostalgic paint to, to give another one of those guys a go. So now I can run a trog boss and three dank holds if I really wanted to just take up like half a 2K list. Jesus. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, and they're mean, but we'll get to that. Um, so I got him fully painted. Took about a week. Did the base and everything. Just had a lot of fun painting all his little marshmallow, marshmallows, mushrooms. Jesus Christ! What the uh, fuck? Bar- I've barely had any sips of this beer. It's just late on a Sunday. Um, if there's a marshmallow on there, I'm not aware of it. But you know, I might have painted one. A lot of mushrooms. Um, little uh, comparing them to the ones I painted five years ago I was able to go a little bit further on the edge highlighting a little bit further on you know shading up just to make uh make them have kind of the gradient of color for lighting just just generally like they're on par with each other I'd say I'm still roughly in the ballpark of skill but I was just able to get just a little bit further than I did a few years ago um, also because I was uh, using the same it was actually a, a, a a Duncan tutorial that he had back when he was working for Games Workshop on how to get that skin. And so I replicated that and then just pushed it a tiny bit further. So, yeah, it's like, you know, just that little tick up. So, very happy to have him in my unit. Um, 
do, 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 do. I also pre-ordered, got, built, and primed the entire uh, Warcry Blood Hunt set since the last time we recorded. Um, man, that's just a really fucking cool kit. Just Those the fucking the trees, man. The the Ronin vampires and the really cool corn cultists. They're just super fun. I like them a lot. And uh, I think I'm going to lean into the meat trees. Like, I was I was talking about them last time that I wasn't big on them, but I've seen how other people have painted them. And instead of going for, like, that weird kind of fleshy look like they did, I'm just going to go full, like, flayed meat. We're doing, like, raw, exposed yeah. muscle. I'm going to I'm gonna put, like, blood effects on them. I'm going to hit them with the yard coat to make them gross and shiny. And then uh, I'm going to try and do that stringy gore effect that people are able to do with um, whatever that glue is. Uh, it's not super glue. You can do it with hot I've glue. I've seen it with hot glue, but it looks better if you do it different. I don't know. I'll find what the best way is. But either way, I'm going to do, like, stringy gore effects between the branches and stuff just so it looks really gnarly and, like, it's just, I don't know. I'm going to lean more, like, creepy, like, Realm of Chaos type stuff than weird, angry trees from the Realm of Beasts <laughs> like they're doing. Nice, yeah. But, uh, so I got that painted. Uh, from our buddy Matt, I also picked up his Heart of Gur terrain because he's he just wasn't planning on building it or anything. He just wanted that kit for the, uh, the Warcry gangs. Um... War bands, sorry. <laughs> and so he, he sold me the terrain the, for the that. Kill teams, the and Warcry so, kill teams? Yeah, the Warcry kill teams. Um, so I got that built and primed today, like f- three hours ago, because uh, it was a beautiful day outside. It was. Um, I hope, it, it'd be really cool if it stays like that for a while in Georgia, but it it's won't. not going to. It's We're going to have two weeks of somewhere around here and then go straight into hot, because that's what we do. But uh, so I have essentially an entire like Age of Sigmar 2K list of uh, terrain to play on now. Well, just all creepy meat trees and weird little Ewok huts and stuff to, to jump off of and do dumb shit. So that'll be really fun to see painted up. Uh, let's see. What else have I done? How, uh, <laughs> um, how many more of the trees do you have to paint? Yes. All of them. <laughs> oh, Okay. <laughs> I didn't finish the first one, so the fr- only thing ah, I did on the okay. first one, I started I started painting up a test one, and so all I did was corn red and then washed it with Caraberg Crimson. It's so it's it's nowhere... Looking. It is really gross. It's nowhere near done, though. Uh, yet again, I'm doing another Duncan tutorial where he did a flayed flesh on a, um, a Dark Eldar rack because they have kind of that gross exposed muscle look to them as well. Yeah. Uh, he did it with Tuscor fur as the base coat, which I didn't have. Um, but I was looking it up and it's like a deep reddish brown. So I'm like, eh, I'll just commit to full red because it's exposed muscle. And then, um, you're going to dry brush squig orange on top of that. And then, uh, like line, like follow the lines of the musculature with like Katie and flesh. Like, like, like not all the way, but enough to where you get that weird, like banding effect between yeah. muscles. So I have to, I have to test that out and see how far to go. But, God, uh, that'll, that'll be a, f- yeah, that'll be a, a gross fun project to have fully finished and make an entire playboard out of it. So I'm excited to see how that goes. Um, do, 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 do. And then the last thing, uh, I just kind of didn't feel like working on any of the other projects I currently had going. So I finally started slapping a little bit of paint on Archeon, his, uh, his Mount Droger. I, uh, holy shit. There's a lot of real estate on that model. <laughs> I painted for like three hours today. Uh, and I got maybe half the base coating done on it for one of the colors because I'm doing the lava effect on them like I do with all my other demons. And uh, just the Mephiston red. I got one wing, one leg, and the tails, and that's it. Oh, I didn't know you were going to go full lava on him as well. Christ. Uh, uh, yeah, it's going to take a while. 
because uh, yeah, I have to go. Fucking understatement. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be a thing, but I'll I'll get them done at some point in my life, maybe eventually. He's gonna have an <laughs> ugly as fuck mustard stage. Uh, well, I've figured out that the mustard is not the way to go. I, I'm starting really? the easiest. Yeah, the easiest way to, because I, I painted this lava effect so many goddamn times, yeah. instead of starting from yellow and going to the reds and blacks, I started doing the reds and just kind of filling in the oranges and yellows and such, and then oh. I just go back over with uh, a black at the end to get that, like, you know, crusted over lava effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I find, find that ends up being just a little bit easier, so um, we'll we'll see how easy it is on him. I don't think anything is going to be easy on him specifically though <laughs> so yeah no, i just suffer through it and get him done and he'll look cool when he's finished yeah and uh yeah that has been all of my hobby progress which has been a pretty good bit yeah um definitely more than i got done that's what happens when it takes a month between recordings <laughs> yeah seriously so well, what did you what did you manage to get done, Tony? Yeah. So, um, as astute listeners know, uh, I'm a guard guy, so I've been working on my guard. I got my first squad totally done, but not based because they're fucking out of Gorthor Brown everywhere right now for some weird ass reason. And that's what I used the base coat color for my bases. Uh, so hmm. I got one ten man infantry squad totally done. Uh, one ten man infantry squad's at about ninety percent. Uh, I've just got to go back in and do the skin tones on them a little bit, touch those up, uh, and then do the highlights for weapons and things like that, like the glow on the plasma, um, washing out the metal on them, and doing their shoulder pads, which is the white with the red stripe and squad markings on it. The command squad, I got one of those painted up. Uh, it's it's also at about 90%. It's the same thing as that other squad. I just have to go in and do some little detail on it. But I think I found the sauce to power weapons for me. Finally, after oh, yeah? 23 fucking years of just painting my power weapon silver because I can never get him to look right. I've been playing around with the slap chop method because it's going to be soul crushing to paint a hundred and some odd guard infantry any other way. Uh, and it looks it's, it's super easy to get stuff to tabletop standard and it looked great. But you can mess around with it. Uh, you're familiar with slap chop. So you base coat it black. Then you do a dry brush of gray and then a really light edge dry brush of white. So, you know, it picks up an edge highlights when you paint it with contrast or army painter speed paints. So the power weapon, how I'm doing it is I do the slap chop on it, but then I've been going through and doing little striations of white across it, just like little white marks, and then I wash it in a really thin coat of uh, the Talisar blue contrast, and it gives it a really, really nice power weapon glow to it. So that's a nice change. Huh. I might have to experiment with that sort of thing because I've never yeah. thought to do contrast for power weapons uh, I didn't either but I was just like I'm going to throw it on and see how it looks I was like that looks a lot better than I expected is there uh, is it just is it just because it's fast or is there another reason why it's called slap chop it's just because it's fast okay uh, but it, it does yeah, make I, uh, a very particular style on it yeah, no, I definitely like. You can tell when someone's done that style. It looks yeah. fine. Like it's it, and you can. I've seen people push past it too, or they, you know, they go on with the edge highlighting and everything, and yeah. actually make it look like it's like properly finished. But uh, yeah. it is a really good way to get a lot of guys done really quickly. Yeah, and it it gives a, a much muddier appearance than your normal like very crisp lines, which 
I like that style. That's how my painting style, like, I prefer on the table because it gives it a more realistic, lived-in look to it. Everything's not a crisp, even edge of color on it. So that's... Uh, it looks good with the other stuff that I've painted, so I'm going to stick with it for a while. Uh, and I can always go back and add to it. Yeah, especially if you're doing, like, characters or something and you want to yeah, just yeah. get that little bit further. Yeah, so uh, speaking of characters, I painted up my Ogren bodyguard. That was such a fun fucking model to paint, dude. Like, it's the first time I've painted, like, big old blocks of muscle, and that was great. I did it mostly slap chop to start with, and then I went back over it with a bunch of layers of flesh tones and thinned them down and some reds and stuff to give it a lot more definition. Um, but yeah, that was a really fucking fun model to paint. Then, yeah, painting flesh is a ton of fun. Oh, it I like really it is. It, it it used to be so intimidating, but it's really growing on me now. Yeah, well, you know, just getting, like, with wet palettes and stuff, being able to blend up to the, the higher layers, and then actually having good washes now, like Reichlin Flesh, flesh shade, shade is a oh, really, so good. really good wash for that. I love it a lot. So uh, I enjoy and then, doing, um, like, a, I do, like, a base coat of Rackarth Flesh. Then yep. I do... Um, the what's the violet wash called? Um, Druki. Yeah, Druki violet. I usually do Druki violet over it, and then or Druchi, depending yeah, on who you ask. <laughs> dry chai violet. I say Druki because that's how they say it in Total Blood, War Warhammer. Total War, okay. Uh, but yeah, so I'll do a wash of that, and then I'll go back over it in. I believe it's Kislev flesh is the next flesh tone I'll do. Yeah. Um, that's a really good one yeah and then i'll hit it with reichland in some spots and still leave some of that um that purple through and like around the eyes around like creases scars stuff like that and then i'll hit it with uh what is it is a bugman's glow i think is the the other flesh tone that i use or Canadian yep. flesh it just kind of depends they're similar yeah yeah uh kind of a more leaning towards darker browns so yeah yeah but uh it you know it then well, i think it's Canadian flesh i use yeah because bugman's bugman's is like the reddish tent one Canadian flesh is like pasty ass white boy. Yeah, no, uh, they they have a lot of really good flesh tones they now, really and that's do. one of the one of the reasons I really like painting monsters is being able to like play with flesh tones mm -hmm. and mix up the colors and stuff for them. Um, Rackarth flesh is also just like the best to start yeah. off with if you're gonna do gross God, flesh because you could do Rackarth and wash it green for zombie flesh. Mm -hmm. You could do purple for like a gross rotting flesh. You could do it red just to get this weird gnarly like uh, just like fucked up looking flesh. Like it's it's a really versatile flesh tone. On a, on my thankful that's it's mostly Rackarth with a mix of um, Caraberg crimson and uh, Druchi violet washes just kind of splotched around through it. And then it's it's not brought up past Rackarth Flesh. Like, that's also the light tone on it. Or no, Pallid Witch Flesh yeah. is the light tone on it, sorry. I was about to say, Pallid's yeah. to the edge. And for so that. it's just uh, this creepy I'm... old dead skin look, and I love it, because he's all stitched together and shit. Yeah, Rackarth and then uh, doing Caraberg Crimson around the edges is the best way to do, like, nasty effects yeah. for, like, flesh, like, wounds and, like, like battered bruise type stuff. It, I love it. It's That's such a good paint to use. Yeah. Um... Then the only other real hobby progress I got done, uh, the rest of my Lehman Russes for my 2,000-point league list, so it's like four Lehman Russes, and uh, I almost called it a Sherman, uh, and the Dorn uh, airbrushed <laughs> my Tiger Striping on and put all the medals on them. They've still got a ways to go. Um, then I got my Tiger one and my yeah, Churchill. Don't judge me. Look, just because I got a fucking Matilda Mark II rolling around. <laughs> Let me Look get the Wiener Tog out while we're talking. Here comes the Stug V. <laughs> I would. <laughs> Let me get my fucking Stuggy out on the battlefield. Let's go. 
Hey man, I've got the fucking Warhammer Stug, the um, uh, Valdor tank destroyer. Is that one of the Forge World ones? Yes, it is. Because I'm yeah, a mark. They had some cool ones. They're so fucking. It would be. That would be really funny if they did actually make the Wiener Tog. Just the fucking 35-foot-long, <laughs> dumbass, doesn't-work-World War One tank. Oh, my God. Fucking. Fucking I, moving I, I, fortress bullshit. Yeah. I wish the Voldor Tank Hunter was good. It's so bad. It's twice Most of the Forge World ones are. I know, it sucks. It's twice as expensive yeah. as a Vanquisher. Um, not as tough, because it only has a 3-up save for some weird reason. Uh, and it doesn't hit as hard as a Vanquisher. That's, uh, they, I thought they said that they were going to be getting the Forge World guys on board with the Games Workshop guys they, in terms of rules making. They are, but there hasn't been one since the fucking index at the beginning of 8th edition for Forge World stuff. Oh, like, they Christ. released the Imperial Armor, but it was like fucking eight months into 8th edition. Uh, they've kind of done some of that stuff with Age of Sigmar, where like, yeah. uh, for the new new Battle Tome, the, uh, the Troll Hag is in it, and she's a bit better, but she's still like 150 points overpriced for what she does. I just yeah. don't understand their thinking behind a lot of these points values. Eh, I don't know. Still a cool model. I'll still run it occasionally. It looks neat as shit. Same. I mean, if I'm running a fucking Troll Herd, I will yeah. have a Hag in it exactly. occasionally, even if she is 405 points. Christ. Yeah. Oh, that's Vermin Lord cost. Not- She's she's not that good. <laughs> she's okay. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway. Yeah, uh, the other hobby progress is I bought, built, and got the um, primer down for my slap chop of not one, not two, but three full mortar squads. So nine mortar teams, um, which are, I don't know if I'm going to keep them on my list or not. I've only run them one game. I'll get to that later. Uh, oh, and I bought a box of Rough Riders. So I've started working on Rough Riders. I've got two of them just built the so one? far. Just the one box? Yeah, just the one box. Um, I can't see myself yeah. using ten of them to start with. I'm not sure if I'll use the five of them. They're just cool models. But I That's don't fair. like the Attil and Rough Rider heads. I think they're doofy as shit looking. Yeah, you kind of... You know, do you want that Hun aesthetic or not? Yeah, so what I did is I dug through a Cadian Upgrade Sprue that I've got plus some of the other bits from, like, the command boxes and things. So all of my Rough Riders are wearing the the gas mask heads. They have, like, the big rebreathers on them. It's like, they're going to yeah. be, you know, in my head cannon, they're the guys charging forward through the line, through, like, the trenches and shit. So they're going to, or, like, over trenches and shit. So they're going to have dust and gas and all that stuff in their faces, so they would have the rebreathers on. Yeah, I've seen people doing the uh, the Death Corps of Creed cavalry guys yeah. where everybody's got gas masks on as well. Yeah, the Death Riders, they're cool as shit. They are. Like Good I, Forge World models for them, too. If, if they weren't like $120 for five of them, I would use them as my Rough Riders because they're way cooler. But Oh, yeah, easily. Ooh, they, are, they are pricey. Uh, yeah, back in the day when you'd see a person with a full Krieg army and it's like, wow, you're like a lawyer or something, huh? Yeah, right. Um... And yeah. Oh, and I built a tech priest this morning and primed him before a game. Way. But yeah, that's um that's all my hobby progress. Not too shabby, all things considered. Yeah, not too shabby. Especially with uh how many games you had under your belt this month. (laughs) But yeah, so uh speaking of games played, Andrew, what uh what you been playing? How many games you got in? Hey, um, I only got four in, so not terrible, but I've definitely had better over the span of a month before. Um, 
So, starting off, uh, played a game of Age of Sigmar against Elias' Nighthaunt again. Uh, just because it's it's become kind of my white whale, I have to beat this army. Um, <laughs> but I did try out a, uh, a new army, My Slaves to Darkness. Uh, first time I'd gotten them on the board, actually. <laughs> Which is funny, considering how many models I have in it now. Um, I did end up losing, but... I actually felt like I had a chance the entire game, unlike I have with the past few times I've run my Mega Gargans against it, because uh, a lot of these Slaves of Darkness dudes are real fucking tough. Like, you get Chaos Warriors with the Mark of Nurgle and the uh, the banner specific to Nurgle, they, they're reducing incoming damage by one and incoming to wound by one. They're, they will sit on an objective and they will hold it for a while. It's, it's pretty rad. They're super tough. Um... I also took a bunch of uh, Chaos Knights with the Mark of Corn on them, and I took a, uh, a Chaos Lord on Mount who had the same. And if you can get the charge off on them, they do a shitload of damage. Like, even against something that ignores Rind and, like, you know, due to ghost shenanigans, ignores one damage and stuff like that. Like, they're just... they. I, I like the Knights. They're super fun. I'm going to have to run them a bit more and mix up the marks to see how uh, which one I think is the best. But I, it's looking like Corn's going to be a solid choice for that, specifically. Yeah. Uh, took my took my Manta, Manticore Lord... Um, he didn't end up getting to do very much just because of how the objectives were. He was kind of like staying back and being a little more conservative. And then by the time he got in, we pretty much already lost. Um, and just for funsies, I took a unit of Ogroid Theradons because they're cool. Uh, I don't really they're know how much play so they're... They're so fucking cool. They're really cool models. I like them a lot. I don't know how much play I'm going to actually end up getting with them. They can do a lot of damage... But they're 190 points for three of them, and it's not too much more just to get a good brick of Chaos Warriors or go a little bit more and get Chaos Chosen. So, like, eh, they're, they're neat. I'll see if, you know, maybe eventually they'll release a faction that does better with them or something. I don't know. But for now, I'm happy with them just because they're cool, but they, they didn't really do super well either. Um, eh, but, yeah, so ended up losing that one. Uh, mostly because Elias did actually get it. He got a really good... Um, uh, revive on his ghosts where he was able to bring back like 20 of the guys that I just spent so much effort killing because he just rolled crazy high on the ones that come back and it was just like ah well fuck not going to be able to beat that again so <laughs> I just ended up having to you know uh, concede at that point because it was just like I, I'm like down to a fourth of my army and you're back up to like three fourths of yours there's just not much going on so but it was fun had a lot of fun um, very excited to play Slaves of Darkness yet again um, and then after that, I finally got to pull out the new Gits Battle Tome for the first time since 2019. I got a new goddamn Battle Tome. And Tony, I am happy to report that it is good. Dude, it is actually fun to play. I love it. I'm I, so I, happy that you're fucking happy to play it again. It, oh, it is it, it actually my fun. Stuff feels powerful, but not broken. Like it's 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 the the good medium place I want a battle tome to be. So I played against Phil's Beast of Chaos, uh, which he'd been working on for a while, and he had been doing kind of a meme list where he was just taking dragon ogres and dragon shaggoths. <laughs> so, so it was very silly, and uh, uh, there were some 
potential charges that he could have called a little earlier that could have gotten some better stuff off. He forgot that some of his guys could have done lightning a little bit, but you know, I don't think he was going to end up doing too much winning against this list. I, I took a troll herd and I rolled pretty hot on all of my regions and I was doing pretty well on all of my attacks and I just uh, pretty thoroughly had them stomped by about round three. So <laughs> I, uh, I'm pretty, pretty thrilled with how the trog herd did. I did end up taking Scragrot and uh, a, a brick of grots just so I could hold back uh, and, and keep an objective. And Scragrot is mean. He is underpriced for what he does. He's 160 points as like a faction leader model, and he can do two spells a turn, and he has one specific spell. I forget what it's called. The Things of the Bad Moon, I think, where when you cast the spell, it's a casting value of three. So you're pretty much guaranteed for it to go off all the time. Uh, actually, it's you are because he has a, yeah, an he has ability a where he gets one, a plus right? one to all of his yeah. casts. Yeah. So that spell is going to go off all the time. I think it's a range of 24 inches. Uh, and then if they don't dispel it, what happens is you roll a die for the number you got for that. So if you roll a three, three die. If you roll a 12, 12 die. And for every, I think, four up or maybe three up, I forget which, you just do a mortal wound to the unit you cast it at. So it's, it's pretty fucking brutal <laughs> i like it a lot um and he has an ability where he can just tell the bad moon to stay in one place or advance one place once a battle which is really powerful for gets these days uh so he's just he's really really goddamn good and he has a four up ward save so it's just he's he's he needs to be like 50 points more for what he does honestly he's he's very good it's it's hard not to take him in a 2k list like even if you're taking squigs, even if you're taking trogs, he's just a really solid all-around yeah. character and wizard. It's, it's such but, a uh, powerful spell, too. Yeah, and then on top of being able to do that and cast, uh, you know, uh, hand of gork so you can teleport somebody, or uh, I don't know, squig lure so you can let your squigs fucking reroll charges or something. Like it's it's he's got versatility, especially if you want to take the. Um, the Arachna Cauldron, so he has access to all squig or uh, Grot spells, and he can just sacrifice Grots into it because it has a thing where it takes mortal wounds from a unit within twelve inches or something. So you just keep doing that and keep casting every spell possible. It's it's ridiculous. But anyway, uh, won that match pretty handily and had a lot of fun because gets are good again, or at least decent again. Um, man, I'm looking at all my horrible typos on this. Um, <laughs> Oh yeah, and I had a. <laughs> I did have one thing I have to talk about, and that where um, my trog boss got to use his crushing grip, which is uh, the thing where you just point at a unit and you can pick a model in it, and you can say, "I'm going to crush him," and all you have to do is roll a die, and it needs to be equal to or greater than their wounds. And it's just really funny when it's like, "How many wounds do these guys have? Five. Okay, I'm not going to kill that guy. Six. Oh well." He's just dead. There's no save against it or anything. That you just smush him, and that's it. So it's didn't even get to swing his dead, club, but the trog style. Yeah, but you just squish their head, and that's it. <laughs> nice. So I did that against uh, the last surviving guy in a, a unit of three tr uh, dragon ogres, and I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be fun! I'm gonna get to swing all my clubs. I'm gonna do d6 damage for each of these. It's gonna be cool." Nah, just squish them before it even mattered. So that was really gratifying. Uh, off the gets trained for a bit. I played a blood bowl match against Oliver. Uh, did a half game as we usually do, just because we don't typically have time for a full game. Um, against his freshly built and primed uh, undead team, he's playing the Shambling Undead, which is everybody's favorite undead in this particular area. Apparently, fucking um, so that and goddamn Dark Angels, I swear to Christ. 
Yeah, yeah, it's, we we got a theme with this group. Um, we did them against my lizardmen, and uh, he got a really good, really fast touchdown in like the first three rounds. He he was playing his skeleton super well. He had his ghouls running crazy well. He was doing some really good dodges. Uh, his mummy lords were mummy lording uh, and just knocking people down left, right, and center. So I was just unable to complete to stop this this touchdown. But then my skink got it on the next round, and uh, I was able to get a two-turn touchdown with my skinks. <laughs> and, yeah, That's tied it right back up to a 1-1. Right yeah, no, skinks are movement 8, which is just insane. And they come native with dodge. And just, you know, two up strength, which is nothing. They, they need at least two of them to be able to punch anybody. But, you know, you can dodge out of everything, and it's totally fine. So... They did just fine. Uh, super fun game as always. Mostly a learning match for Oliver because he's only played a couple games so far. But uh, we're getting him into it. He's he's already talking about buying himself another Blood Bowl team. So we we <laughs> have thoroughly or three. Yeah, we have we have thoroughly gotten the bug put in him. So uh, we have made another Blood Bowl player for life, which I'm pretty happy with. Oh, yeah. And then the last game I played. Another game against Elias, another game against Nighthaunt. But this time, I took Magitz. And this time, Tony, I fucking won. Which that game... Fucking Christ, that game took place in like a 12-inch bubble. Yeah, it was a silly one. So we had this weird, like, L-shaped deployment on both sides. Um... And I took uh, Squig Herd, which are like the sleeper hit models of the new Gitz Codex. Battle Tome. Jesus, I keep saying Codex. Um... So there's this fun thing you can do with the new Squig boss where he has a once per game ability where he can point at a Squig herd in the hero phase and they can just do a movement, just a free movement, D6 plus five inches, which is pretty substantial. And then they can do a normal movement and incurs no penalty on them. So you could potentially move uh, 22 inches in a turn. And then depending on how the bad moon is and what your battalion and stuff is, uh, you can potentially run the next turn and also charge. So you could move potentially the entire goddamn board if you're rolling hot with those guys. So uh, I didn't quite run the entire board, but I ran enough to be able to get a turn one charge off on his black coach because he took a very mobile list. He took uh, almost entirely hex wraiths, um, which was pretty fun. We ended up accidentally doing kind of a cavalry v cavalry list with my uh, my squig hoppers and my boing rot bounders that I had. And I was just doing the squig herd as kind of, you know, war dogs ahead of the group. So the squig herd ran in and were able to tie up the black coach and I almost killed it on the first turn got it down to two wounds uh and the only reason he was doing that well is because he was um so many things had died around it that it was able to uh beef up its its ward save up to a four which is just crazy but um real good. yeah so i was yeah and then i had some fellwater trogs that i just had leftover points for they were holding my back objective which uh accidentally ended up being a really smart move for me because it kept him from being able to teleport the black coach behind me and start fucking up my back line and even though I completely sacrificed my unit of squigs into it, uh, I was able to just do so many wounds with their uh, their bravery ability, where once one of them flees, on a two-up, they deal a mortal wound when they flee. So it's fine if you end up losing that whole unit if you get some bites off first, because you're probably going to end up killing whatever you attack. So I severely wounded the black coach and just kind of kept it pinned in that corner the entire time. And then movement in the new battle tome is amazing so it used to be like squig hoppers were 3d6 inches now they're 10 inches plus d6 they're consistent you can rely on them to 
You're, they can rely on them to always get at least 11, which is fantastic. Uh, Boing Rot Bounders, 7 inches plus D6 because they're the, quote, heavily armored squig cavalry. Uh, same with the Mangler squigs. They're 7 plus D6, so you can actually get people in in a relatively orderly fashion. The amount um, of times that you and I would play a game and your fucking squigs would go, like, 4 goddamn inches was just... It was so crushing <sighs> on my end. It was always disheartening. So it's like, these guys are supposed to be fast, and now they actually feel like it. It's a, it's an amazing change. It's the sort of stuff that I've been bitching about for five years with this, this fucking army. So it's very nice to see that I'm as smart as modern Games Workshop rules writers, I guess. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I was able to charge my guys in. I kept them pretty well boxed into a corner. Um, he started whittling my guys down a lot because I'm obviously not as tough as Night Haunt, but with the new Loon Shrine, I was able to bring him back a half unit at a time. So I was essentially able to get back, you know, uh, half of my army after they died, which was fantastic. Um, and he didn't have any monsters or he didn't have any monsters or abilities to smash my Loon Shrine. So there wasn't anything he could do about it except for just re-kill them all because once a unit's been brought back, it can't be brought back again. So I was able to just kind of slowly start overwhelming them. Uh, we didn't have quite enough time to properly finish the game, but I did have a very early points lead, and we we're trying to math out exactly who would get what. So it was, you know, it would depend on dice to realistically know who won, but he just went ahead and said I did because I was ahead on points, and it was kind of up in the air. So I will count it. I beat Night Haunt. <laughs> Uh, super fun though. I, it was, it was a great time. It was really fun doing cavalry v cavalry. Cause we were, um, with my guys dying and then coming back, we were just kind of essentially trading off cavalry charges, which is really cool and thematic feeling. So it was a good time. Very, very excited to, to, to bring out the squiggle lanch again. Yeah. It was great to see them on the table too, man. I fucking love those models and I'm just, I'm so happy they're good again. Oh, God, me too. It was it was getting depressing for a while where it's like, I love these so much, I don't want to sell them, but goddamn. And now I'm glad I didn't. Cause you know me, I'll drop an army at the drop of a hat, but yeah, uh, I like I like this army more than enough to where I have not let them go in five years. So that says a lot about how much I like these sculpts and the goofy madcap energy of the uh the Gloom Spike kids. Nice. So how about you, Tony? Uh, regale us with the 5,000 games you've played. Yeah, so, uh, Andrew, you might have had significantly more hobby progress than me, but I believe I got you beat in games played by an order of magnitude. Yeah, at least double, maybe a bit yeah. more. So I'm just going to kind of rock through them real quick instead of going just game by fucking game. Uh, first game was at the Groundhog Cabin against uh, one of our buddies, Nate. He was in, he's Blood Bowl curious, so I carried my Blood Bowl you, stuff up you, there. You might need to explain the Groundhog, Kevin. Oh, yeah. So every year, me and a group of my buddies, we go up to a cabin in the mountains of northeast Georgia for an entire week to celebrate Groundhog's Day. Uh, we carry a lot of food, booze, and board games with us, and just generally escape from the world. It is a great fucking time, and I love it. Uh, you'll hear uh, Big Connor, one of uh, one of the listeners, also part of the group. He was up there with us. And uh, now Nate, who is now officially part of this group because he's been there multiple Wednesdays, uh, was at the cabin as well. So, yeah, we, we just play a whole bunch of board games. Uh, but I carried Blood Bowl this year. Nate was Blood Bowl curious. Uh, him and I wake up uh, like three hours before everybody else on a regular basis because we're, you know, adults. So him and I were up at, you know, 6.30, 7 in the morning. Everyone else is up at, like, 10.30 or 11. So we're drinking our coffee, shooting the shit, playing some Blood Bowl. He played my Norse. I played my Orcs. And that one, in traditional fashion, ended as a 1-1 tie. 
As you do. As you do. Uh, he had some fun, doofy moments, like uh, one of his berserkers ended up pushing one of my guys, and then the very next turn, just fucking, like, uh, it was, what was he hitting? He was hitting, I think he was hitting my troll. So his first one, because it has frenzy, pushed the troll backwards, where all of a sudden he wasn't getting assists anymore. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so he, he rolled boxcars to just fuck up that troll, so he was dead. That was like the third goddamn roll of the game. Uh, but yeah, it was a good one. It was back and forth, one-to-one, one. and then everybody else started waking up, and they don't give a fuck about Blood Bowl, so we called it at halftime, as is tradition. And, uh, you know, he got to talk, and he was like, hey, you guys play on Wednesdays, right? I was like, yeah, come out, play a game. You can use any of my stuff you want to. So the next Wednesday, he came out, like the very next Wednesday after we got back from the cabin on fucking Sunday, he came out on Wednesday, uh, played my Orcs versus my Skaven. So he played the Orcs this time, because that's the team he was interested in, against my Skaven. Um, this one didn't go as well for him, because Skaven are fast as fuck. So and it wasn't I, his first game. He it didn't wasn't have his first luck. game. Exactly. Uh, I beat him 2-1, to one, but it was still a good game. Uh, there was some, you know, doofy shit with, like, a goblin dodging fucking eight things to tackle a goddamn gutter runner. Classic stuff like that. He still had some memorable moments in it. Immedi- oh, so he, was, he was doing Black Orcs, Yeah, right? he was doing Black Orcs, yes, yes. Okay. Uh, that's the only Orc team I have is the Black Orcs. My, okay. uh, my pop art cartoon Orcs. And um, immediately after that game, the next day, he shot me a text that he ordered the start set. And then, as soon as he got it in, he built the whole Orc team, and he's actually putting paint on them right now, and they're actually looking pretty good. So, his goal yeah, is to have the, them uh, all painted by this week's game. He, he showed a picture of his base coating in, uh, yeah. in the Dice Like Ice Hobby podcast uh, mm-hmm. Discord. And uh, looking pretty fucking sharp so far, gotta say. Not, not bad for his first model. Yeah, no, it's, it's, well, it's his second model, technically. Uh, he was at the cabin last year. If you're a longtime listener, you'll remember me talking about carrying paints and us painting D&D minis for our DM at the time. Uh, Nate was one of them then. That was the first miniature he'd ever painted, and it, it just kind of stuck. Ah, so. But it had been a year since he painted it. Had been so, a year. You know, it had been know. like a year and some change since he painted a model. Shake off the cobwebs. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so I am in the local 40K league, uh, and I've played five of my six opponents so far in the three weeks since we recorded. Jeez. Yeah, my first one was against uh, another Matthew, not Aussie Matt, not Diner Matt. Uh, this... Matthew Ray, uh, great guy. He played Custodes. I'm playing my Imperial Guard, mostly tank list. Uh, so my list for this entire league, so for all these 40k games you're about to hear, is essentially, it's changed a little bit here and there. A Rogel Dorn, three Lehman Russ tank commanders, uh, what is that, four other Lehman Russes, one of which is a Vanquisher, 20 infantry, two Chimeras, and a command squad. I changed in the most recent game, I added mortars in. But other than that, that's been my list. So, against the Custodes, uh, he got first turn. No, I got first turn. Uh, so my first turn, I didn't do anything, because I couldn't see anything. He moved out. Then my second turn shooting phase, I picked up about a third of his army. He killed... Wow. He killed a tank and some infantry on his second turn. Or on his... Yeah, bottom of his second turn. Then on the third turn, I picked up, like, almost half of what was left. I'm like, oh, I got this in the fucking bag. I did not, in fact, have that in the bag, because he had one bike run into my back line. I fired three Lehman Russes and a Dorn at it and could not fucking kill it. 
<laughs> and it proceeded to kill two tanks and like 20 guardsmen on its own over the next two turns. It was still a decently close game. I want to say it was it was like 68 to 54 his win. So I still put up a fight. Uh, I thought I was going to beat him, but my dice were fucking hot as shit to begin with and then just went ice cold at the end. But good game, great opponent. We had a blast. Went over to uh, Locos afterwards and, you know, grabbed some beers and hung out with a couple of the other guys. Then after that, I played... Oh, fuck, what was his name? After that, I played uh, a guy named Luke. He is an Ultramarine player. Uh, this one was another really close game. I think this one was... 70 it's like 78 to like 72 or something like that it was pretty close uh memorable moments in that one were just gulliman letting everything just re-roll fucking everything against me and him just picking up at least a tank a turn but the funniest moment of the match was i had a sentinel with a single wound left because i was trying to sentinel on this list uh he had tigerius a blade guard with one wound left um, an Eradicator with one wound left and a Dreadnought with like four wounds left. And I charged, like my Sentinel shot didn't do a damn thing. I was like, I'm going to charge it into close combat with Tigerius because Tigerius will kill it and just hope he explodes. Charge him in. He kills it. I roll a one to detonate. I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to spend a CP because it's worth it. Roll the six, did three mortals to Tigerius, killed the Eradicator that was left, killed the Blade Guard that was left and did three mortals to the Dreadnought and almost killed it. Chicken bomb delivery system. Oh my god, it was great. Um, that was the guy when I was playing today, the one who was playing Ultramarines at the table next to us, who we were John back and forth with. Hmm. But yeah. How, so, is, uh, how hard uh, is Gilliman to put down these days? I don't know. I didn't even get to shoot at him. Oh, fair enough. There was, there was a lot of fucking Ultramarines between me and him that I just could not carve through. Uh, then I played against another guy, Luke. No, uh, Cody. He was a Dark Eldar player, and this might have been one of the closest games I have ever had. It was so unbelievably brutal. At the end of the game, I think I had one tank commander, like, one squad of ten guys and my command squad left, and I think maybe one more Lehman Russell with, like, two wounds. And he had, like, three racks, um, like, three incubi and i think one raider almost dead left at the end of the game it was so just the amount of shit dying every turn uh, i won that game 69 to 68 jeez yeah it was a great game we laughed our asses off like i fired a fucking vanquisher shot through trees and one shot at a fucking vehicle uh and then my dice my dice were stupid good this game he had every transport had like six guys with blasters in it. And my fucking Rogel Dorn is just a goddamn champion. I think I passed eight or nine six up saves in a row with it. Just one after the other. Be like, blaster, does damage. Got a six. Got a six. Got a six. It was so stupid. He could not kill that fucking tank. Uh, until he did. And then it exploded. <laughs> But that it, was a. It wasn't willing to die unless it was spectacular. <laughs> yeah, it was. That was a good fucking game. Uh, let's see. After that one, was that three or was that four? Uh, three for the tournament. That was three. okay. Yeah. Then after that, I played Rin and their orcs. Uh, that was a really brutal game. My dice were solid, but poor Rin's dice were just 
bad. Like, they could not roll above a three to save their fucking life. Um, they were playing orcs with, like, two of the, the big fucking kill rigs. Is that what those big motherfuckers are called? Yeah, the ones with the giant squigs on them. Yeah, two kill rigs, a bunch of characters, a bunch of the squig hog riders, and I got first turn and immediately picked up a squad of squig hog riders, like ten commandos, and a kill rig right off the board. Uh, Ooh, and it, it just a kill rig right off the bat's tough. The Dorn, the Dorn just looked at it and was like, fuck you in particular, and just blew it away. Turns out uh, D6 shots, or D6 plus three, strength ten, four damage shots, they, um, I can pick some shit up. That's uh, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah. So uh, I won that one. Um, it was it was still a fun game until the last turn that I felt kind of bad because I didn't I didn't let off the gas. I probably should have. So Ren, if you're listening, sorry. I should have let off the gas a little bit and made it a little bit more fun for us. No, it's league play. Uh, only death. Only destruction. It is league play, but it's not like top three winners league play sort of thing. No, yeah, how I mean, we do yeah, it's, it's, it's so. a friendly local tournament. I mean, yeah. it's nothing special. Um, after that 40k game, I played against Matt Diner Matt this time. I played my league list into his knights that he wanted to try out, and that was just that was a super hard matchup for his knights. Uh, everything I had could just kick the shit out of knights, and everything he had would chip at tanks. He got a couple of good hmm. tank kills in, but I at the end of the day I was able just to just to shoot him off the board with not much he could really do about it because you know you can't hide fucking forty feet tall mechs from eight tanks shooting at him. Yeah, knights, chaos knights too. Also, feel like they're just in kind of a weird space where it's like they're a little fragile, but also like you can't really do much else without making them bullshit tough. It's, yeah, I don't know. It's something difficult with a high wound model like that and a whole army of them. So I have a heavily skewed uh, shooting list, obviously, because I'm I'm guard and I run tanks. Yeah, my knight list would have stacked up better into my tanks because it's faster and more close combat. His was a shooting knight list with a little bit of close combat, so it wasn't you could as him. yeah. I could outshoot him, so he couldn't put out the damage that I could. But his guys weren't fast enough to get to me and punch all my tanks apart. So he was kind of in that okay. weird in between space. Uh, then, On paper, he was good, just very much not against you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I still saw a list, and afterwards, him and I, we theory-hammered for about an hour outside the diner, tweaking out his list a little bit, so we, th- we think we found some sauce in it now, so it ought to be fun to see. Okay. Then I played a game of Age of Sigmar against Matt. It was my Skaven versus his Ogre Kingdoms, and that was another really just brutal, bloody battle. Uh, the big swing in that game was he had killed three of my Storm Fiends, and I rallied them and got two of them back. Oh, uh, God. And that, that pretty much, that set it right there because it allowed me just to gun things down. Um, the rattling guns were just mowing shit down on the ogre side. But it was still only an 8-7 to seven win. If one roll would have gone different in a couple of different places, he would have beaten me 8-7. Uh, to seven. But if I wouldn't have been able to kill the last ogre on one objective, it would have been a 7-7 to seven draw. So it was a really close game, even though, even though it wiped the last of his models off. And at the end of it, I only had my Storm Fiends, uh, an Arch Warlock with one wound left, because cocaine hurts his nose, I guess. And, like, a Warp Lightning Cannon and, like, eight Clan Rats. 
That's so. the first time your Arch Warlock hasn't exploded himself in like three years. That, that is the very first game my Arch Warlock has survived. He has still never been killed by an enemy, but he has died every game but this one. <laughs> and he he didn't, tried. He didn't take the didn't take the brass. I orb didn't this take time, the right? brass orb. No, I did not because I'm a coward. Ah. You, you got to keep going. You can guarantee that on the 13th try, because you're scaven, right. it'll finally go off. Well, if it makes you feel any better, <laughs> he tried to fire his little warp gauntlet that goes off on a two-up, and he rolled a fucking one again. Oh, that sounds about right. He's a really bad inventor. He, that might just be a cursed model. Yeah, you might need to get another one. Uh, and then, finally, my last game was mere hours ago, and that was against a player who I'd never met before named Cameron and his Black Legion, Abaddon and all. It was a league game that we played up at the shop. Um, it could have gone heavily in his favor had Abaddon not basically died in his own turn. So Abaddon's wound gated. Uh, I thought I was going to be canny and fire a shitload of mortars at him because all my... My units, my core units around my specific banner, they ignore wound gates. I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to drop 96 shots on Abaddon. Hit him 31 times, wounded him like 14. He failed one fucking save. Jeez. Which he probably just healed back like it wasn't anything. Uh, uh, but, yeah, two up armor save and then yeah. all of his multiple layers of, hey, I'm the herald of chaos bullshit, you know? Yeah, he uh, he threw a Disco Lord out wide on a flank, and I thought he was doing a big brain move. Um, so I wasn't sure what he was doing. Uh, my Dorn killed it with just his multi-meltas. I didn't even get to fire the Jeez. rest of the guns on the... Yeah, no, I rolled, I think I rolled like 18 damage on the fucking three multi-melta shots that wounded him. It was, wow. it was bad. He was within 12 inches, so, you know, six of that was the plus twos. But uh, And he was like, that was dumb that I did that. I'm like, yeah, I don't know why you did that. I thought you had a plan. He's like, I did not. I'm like, eh, that makes me feel a little better. <laughs> Sounds uh, like when I play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, I was firing just... mortars at Abaddon instead of his squishy squad back on an objective. <laughs> so just, I also know, did it dumb. You want to you push your toys forward and make the clickety-clack rocks go. I mean, sometimes it's all you want to do. Yeah, but uh, Abaddon ran forward into my line of tanks, and he ended up shooting a tank to death, which exploded, dealing three mortal wounds to Abaddon in his shooting phase. Uh, then Abaddon ran forward and charged a different tank, who overwatched and dealt three damage in his fucking um, charge phase from a battle cannon shot that got lucky. Then that tank exploded, dealing Abaddon two more mortal wounds in the combat phase. Uh, and then on my turn, the tank that was left just shot him with a heavy bolter. So Abaddon almost died entirely on his turn. And that was the swing of the game. Because if Abaddon would have just stepped into my tanks and just chopped them to little bitty bits, there wasn't much I could do about it with the wound gate. Yeah. Uh, it was the first time he had ever been tabled. So I don't know if I feel good about that or not. I mean, it's an accomplishment one way or the other. Yeah. I feel like I might have found just the fucking, the magic bit on my list because I've won my last four games with it and three of those four have been fairly solid. Well, it sounds like uh, a lot of it is the Rogaldorn's fault. <laughs> a lot of it is the Rogaldorn's fault. The Vanquisher the new, the new, is the best and the model. worst tank in my fucking army. <laughs> The, the fun new model they want everybody to buy yeah. is pretty good. Shocking. Well, he's, he's fucking 300 and some odd points with all this shit on him. I mean, it seems to be worth it so far. 
in my first two games, he didn't do dick all. Yeah, but you're you're two and four with him now in I terms of wins. And, so what? No, I'm four and two. Four and two. Yeah, and I two. said that backwards. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wait, what? You no. knew what I meant. I knew what you meant. Just know what yeah, I mean. Not there what was I say. my fucking eight or nine goddamn games played, which is Jesus. a lot for a month. That's I was averaging two games a week this month. That's crazy. Yeah, it's a, it's not bad at all. No, it's not. We'll see if we can keep it up. And that was not having like a lot of hobby days. That was one or two days a week. I guess I did yeah, play. Doing... I did play like three of those games in one week. And doing league play, you're more incentivized to get stuff done quickly. True, so you know true. that on top of the the usual Wednesday gaming nights and all that. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we're we're quite a bit into this one. So let's let's blitz through some of the cool shit coming out from Warcom, shall we? Sure. Right. Uh. Well, let's see. We'll start off with a real good one that came out uh, the day we were attempted to record last yeah. week and had internet issues. The uh, the Sanctioner Pattern Automaton for yeah. uh, Necromunda is coming out. The uh, uh, police brutality. The Ed, bot. yeah, the, the fucking Ed two hundred nine bot for the enforcers, which um, that's just a really cool model. It is a really I'm, cool model. That's that's gonna be conversion fodder. It's really cool if you actually have an enforcers gang. Like this is oh very like it's cool seeing like actual like proper built shit for Necromunda yeah. too. Like this isn't just ripped together out of bullshit scrap. Like this is actually made by people with like manufactorums and stuff, and looks purpose built. It's cool. It's got some cool weapons. Um, I like its little fucking man catcher arm. Yeah, I was gonna say they all both come equipped with power fists, and then one's just got like a spring-loaded man catcher for I guess when they actually want to like not kill people. <laughs> uh, they're the brute for the enforcers, so they you know you can only take one or two of them at most. But uh, they have a really cool rule called mobile bulwark, where they just count as cover. Like your dudes can hide behind them and use them as a yeah. giant riot shield, essentially. <laughs> I still like the little blurb on here. What you need is a fleet of semi-sentient servo-autonomata piloted by the psycho-conditioned transplanted brains of especially fanatical enforcers. So there's a fucking brain in it. It's not a robot. It's a brain. Yeah, because all things in Warhammer are fucking servitors when you think about it. Except for, like, you know, that really heretical stuff, shit yeah. the Epic do. Yeah, but in well, theory, guess, everything's yeah, supposed to have a human brain. Servitors. Yeah, that's true. But, uh, but there is some AI stuff. It's, yeah, it's no, got it's, such uh, doofy proportions, and I love it. It's, um... Oh, I forgot what they called it. Whatever the Ed 209s were from the second Robocop, where they put people's brains in it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe these are uh, not addicted to horrifying <laughs> drugs, but who knows? Nuke. <laughs> the the nickname of Lautomaton. <laughs> oh, yeah, the Lautomatons. It's, it's fucking great. I love it. It's awesome. Like, I kind of just want them to paint them, but mm -hmm. yeah, it's the very, very cool models. Excited for yet more wacky Necromunda shit. Yeah. Uh, a really cool one they showed off, uh, was it yesterday, I believe it was, is, man, I, the fucking Farsight model is so nice. Yeah, like, I am, we have talked about it several times we are not tau people no, not but this is all. just a really really cool model it looks so cool the fucking like blossoms on the base and everything it's got a hero rock as you have to 
But like, it's a makes sense hero rock. Yeah. It looks cool. It's thematic. He's not leaping off of it for no goddamn reason. It it's, is. Some it just looks like part of the terrain. Anime looking shit, and I am. Oh no! It. This is some straight samurai Gundam bullshit. Yeah, there and, should be a know, fucking they like know. techno flute playing in the background when they show it. Like it's, it's cool. They they know who they're shooting for with oh, this yeah. model, and people who like that aesthetic will really like this model. Yeah, uh, and there he's coming out with a new combat patrol box, which is going to be Farsight, three crisis suits, six drones, no, eight drones, and a squad of fire warriors. Yeah, for uh, boarding patrol stuff. So oh, yeah, boarding uh, patrol, not combat patrol. Sorry. Ex- expect to see him inside of your local Space Hulk Yay. coming soon. Do we have a uh, do we have a tile player in our group other than Tim? Tile Tim? Uh don't think so, actually. I know Trent always says he wants to run tile, and then I give him a bunch of shit and then he backs off. <laughs> Live your life, Trent. I just I just bully him out of tile and I love it. Uh, well, uh, another model that was announced from uh, yesterday, alongside Farsight, we got a Realm Gore Ritualist, which, you know, fucking corn. after a certain point, just call them wizards, we know what they are. Well, he's a priest. <laughs> uh, it's supposed to be a priest. I'm not, is it a he? Oh, I don't know. I assume Very, very, like, lithe model. Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't either. Let me actually see if it says... Uh, outbreak barbarism. Let's see. Uh, I don't see anything that says. Maybe they don't identify. Good for them. What is your gender? Bloodletting. <laughs> <laughs> Skulls. Uh, either way, this one's—it's very cool model. Uh, instead of a hero rock, this one has like a hero altar they're standing on, which is really fun. But the altars are uh, a rock. I mean, it's also made of rock if you really want to get pedantic about it. Um. But uh, this one kind of leans into the aesthetic that the last uh, Underworlds unit had that was corn specific, yeah. where it's got kind of like a Mayan-y, Aztec-y sort of vibe. Um, also, really fast turnaround on the... Uh, the rumor mill? Uh, the rumor mill. Yeah, I was like, going to oh, point this? that out. They showed that like a week and a half ago. If that. Which, yeah, it's uh, it was pretty obviously corn with the eight points. I had a moment where I was like, is that Ossiak Bone Reapers? Because it's all bone, but no, def- definitely corn. I, but, I still uh, I still uh, think it could have been Necromunda because it has the legs on it, kind of like the Cinderac burning thing did. Yeah, the the Helmar kind of... Yeah. yeah, yeah I, I can see that too. Yeah, but uh, no, it ended up being another Priest of corn. Very cool model. Um, just, you know... New Battle Tome, yeah, new new model coming for the new Battle Tome. We're getting a new Vanguard box, which comes with Blood Crushers and all kinds of, you know, guys covered in axes and skulls and whatnot. So uh, very fun for people who like Blades of Corn, since, like the Gits, they have been uh, ignored for a long time until recently. So that's cool. Uh, uh, and then there's probably the greatest duo to ever hit Blood Bowl. I love this fucking model, Andrew. And that is fucking Puggy Bacon Breath and Cindy Pie Whistle. Cindy Pie Whistle is a bomber who throws fucking pies, which I'm all for. But Puggy Bacon Breath, my fucking man with a sando, is... I, I love it, Andrew. I want this model. I want an army of this model. Like, Why? this This is army of the year, or uh, model of the year vote for me next year. Hands fucking down. Just... Why is he balancing a hokey? I don't get it. Because <laughs> it's skill, baby. Yeah, but like he cares enough to, to wrap it in string so it doesn't fall apart. <laughs> oh, it's dripping mustard on his hand too. It's gonna be sticky. It's, it's gonna it's gonna be a hard throw. 
Yeah, this is just an interesting choice all around. I love it, dude. I just fucking love it. No, these are fantastic. Very leaning into the just outrageously goofy Blood Bowl vibes, and I am yeah. here for it. Like, Cindy Pie Whistle is a great model, but Puggy Bacon Breath is just so good, he overshadows her in every way. He also has a spike that's, like, as big as he is yeah, on his shoulder that's pad. that's true. That's true. Which is just very Warhammer as well as very Blood Bowl. Yeah. Uh, and he's actually, as far as uh, halflings go, he's strong as fuck. He's got three whole yeah. strength. He's human like strong. He, he could actually punch somebody and not necessarily die every time. And he's a way cooler model than Bryce the Slice. Yeah. Yeah. I wish that Bryce the Slice model was I, better. I do too. I do too. Oh, well. Can't win them all. Um, well, let's see. After Puggy Breaking Breath and Cindy Pie Whistle, uh, back to yesterday's recently uh, teased models, we are getting a new model for Boss Snickrot for the Orcs. Everybody's a favorite sneaky boy. He's still stalking around the jungles of Armageddon, cutting throats. And I'm honestly a little surprised he's getting a new model because his old model still really looks good. And it's not that old, is it? Uh, around 10 years, I think. It it was a fine cast model. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. That's one of those ones that still holds up. Like, it's it's a legitimately good model. But this one is also very good. Uh, a lot of good little details. He comes with two head options where he's got his cool, orky night vision goggles either up or down. They're so um, much cooler when they're down. Oh, yeah, easily. Uh, he still has his thing where he's got the dog tags wrapped around his wrists from all the people that he's killed. Uh, somehow he is sneaky while having four skulls clacking around on his crotch <laughs> yeah. belt area. Yeah, those hang real low. They do. He's scraping the ground with those all the time. Uh, he's got a tactical smoke grenade on his base, which is doing fuck all. Which yeah, he, he did not wait for the smoke to fucking pop before he went through it. I do not understand that. Uh, big silence shooter on his back. It's just, you know, very... It feels a lot like the old model while being very new. Uh, it's, you know it's what? At least good. he's not poorly throwing a smoke grenade like other models we've seen recently. Yeah, that's definitely fair. But as an orc, it would make sense if he had a rocket launcher that was twice the size of him. <laughs> Uh, He is also coming in a boarding patrol box with uh, a bunch of orc commandos, some more beast boys, uh, and some ludas. So pretty solid addition to any orc army. All of those are pretty good. uh, I've got a couple of sets of commandos. Maybe I'll pick up Snickerot and make a boarding patrol commando orcs. Uh, Other than Snickerot, I actually have enough to make that boarding patrol box. I have everything else in it. I didn't know you had any ludas. Oh yeah, I just have one unit of five. They're really fun. Those are cool models. They, oh, they great uh, every models. every one but one of them I think has a pirate hat of some sort on. And no, then that's the one that's that doesn't not, has... that's not Ludas, that's Flash Gits. Oh, I said yeah, damn. Yeah, I got that wrong. Flash Gits come in the box. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking large guy Lord large orc guns on foot. What's um what's the Flash Gits hero name? Uh Captain Badruck. Captain Badruck. That would be a fun boarding party to do is just a bunch of fucking pirates. Oh, yeah. Pirate theme boarding patrol. Ooh. Oh. All right, I might, Especially I might if you could also, like, make that into a kill team. I don't think you can take uh, flash kits for kill team, though. <laughs> that would be very overpowered, yeah, I think. Yeah, that, that'd be pretty overpowered. I'll, I'll look it up while oh. I'm talking. Um, the other thing that really interested me, even though I'm not a Lizardman player, the fucking spawn of Chotek is a great model. The new, oh, yeah. the, the copyrightable salamander. Yep. With his, uh, I guess he's got handlers. He's got tools, he's two got, sticks yeah, he, with poking sticks. Uh, yeah, 
two with pogan sticks and one with an icon but that fucking paint job they did on him is absolutely gorgeous oh yeah the back fins just Dude. the transitions and pattern oh it's so yeah. good uh, the real cool thing that he can do is when he hits something, if a wound is allocated to a unit from his fucking glob of flame acid, they have minus one to their armor saves for the rest of the turn. Which is pretty fucking brutal. That's real fucking good. Yeah, yeah. Because I imagine you get a Croxagor or, uh, I don't know, fucking whatever their big T-Rex is, and minus one to save would definitely hurt. Carnosaur, yeah. that's it. Carnosaur, yes. Yeah, that's what, a really cool what other, uh, what other ones you got, Andrew? Well, keeping on the, the Lizard Man train, uh, we got Droll and Dribble coming for Blood Bowl. Dribble. Two new uh, skink star players who excel in fouling other players, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I love that one of them is fucking drop-kicking. One yeah, is one's tripping, drop kicking. one is drop-kicking. Yeah, and one's got a, a fucking knife because he's got the uh, the sneaky get and the stab special rules, so yeah. he just like shadows people and tries to shank them, which is, oh, that's great. I'm, I'm I will eventually get them whenever I get uh, Glottal Stop and Boa Constrictor oh, for my God, Lizard Man team. Fucking names. Ah, they're great. I I just they love really how are. they're just allowed to be goofy in Blood Bowl, and I love it. No, green skins are boys or commandos. Okay, yeah, that's what I was thinking. It would have been that's... weird if they allowed fucking heavy artillery like that. Yeah, still, be cool. All right, anything uh, else pique your interest, Tony? Uh, so I don't give a fuck about heresy at all, but the fucking Sakaran <laughs> Venatar is awesome because it looks like the fucking Valdor tank hunter, but for space marines. It is literally just like, what if we put a gun with some treads around it? Have you looked at this fucking thing? Yeah, no, it's it's just a cannon with it's, giant treads, essentially. It's fucking cool. It's, yeah, they're, they're, if, if you're a treadhead, there is some cool stuff in Heresy, for sure. I am a treadhead, so that tracks. Yeah, but um, uh, I didn't even mean to make that joke, I'm just that fucking funny. Or that invested in tanks. Yeah. Uh, well, while we're on the, uh, the Horus Heresy train, we can talk about a kind of cool but kind of goofy model the uh new assassin for uh heretics what's it called the infernus abomination what the fuck <laughs> have you seen this no where is that when when did that when was that article? oh uh this was probably like a week before we attempted to record maybe a little more so i'll send you the link real quick it um it looks kind of like Samus from Metroid if she was evil, like oh, chaos God. evil though, not like not like Dark Samus from Metroid. Oh, Pantry. that's dumb as fuck! <laughs> right? <laughs> it looks awful. It, it looks tyrannid. Yeah, no, like the mutations are really goofy on it. Like they didn't even lean into like the you know goop cable tentacle thing like they do with most chaos stuff. It's just I don't know. It's weirdly fleshy but not in a good way it's very strange yeah it i don't know if it's like the paint scheme like this probably could look cooler if someone else did it but it's i don't know well, i don't even like inherently it doesn't look like muscle it just looks like a red skin like if yeah they, if they would have done looks... that that marbling like muscle like they did with those uh, eight bound that might oh, look better it, that might look cool if they did that 
I don't know. It's weird because it kind of I haven't looked at like the backstory behind them. It kind of looks like they might have sort of the obliterator virus where like the arm is kind of morphing into a gun, which is pretty cool. But but the gun is very Tyranid looking. Yeah, no, it looks exactly like Tyranid stuff. It's ooh, hey, Horus Heresy character heads are on that same one. Oh, hey, look at that. Um, Like the face mask is kind of cool. I kind of like the head tendril cable things and yeah like i said the the mutating gun arm could be cool but yeah it, it just looks like a tyranid Why is it, it doesn't look demonic so far forward i don't know because he's leaning forward for a cool no no, no. Like, look, look at the picture on the side he's got like a fucking giraffe neck uh, i don't know if that's giraffe neck oh no that's, that's his like... gun arm it's just a weird fucking angle but it does it looks yeah, like his no, head's like, sticking really far forward this 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 whole thing's pretty funky looking <laughs> But I had to had to bring it up since we talked about heresy. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I could have gone my entire life without seeing that terrible model. Ah, oh, fuck! What was the other heresy model that was that was teased? Uh, it was a new chaos sorcerer. What the hell's his name? He's the guy who was doing the the fucking Ariba Derchi pinchy fingers. Oh, there's an, oh shit! There's an Italian. Where's the Italian man? Uh, while you're yeah, I gotta figure it out. Uh, two new battle tomes as well. The Caradron Overlords with uh, Johnny Books-A-Lot model. The Code Right, who has all of the books because he's going to play a game of Warhammer 40,000, apparently. Damn, if I type in Horace Heresy Italian Wizard, nothing comes up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have to keep scrolling back till I find it. <laughs> Here it is. The other the, battle tome is the Heat Knights of Slanesh, which I'm excited. They haven't gotten any love as of late, so I'm curious what they're going to do. Link me the Italian wizard, Andrew. Uh, yeah, the uh, Heat Knights get a new battle tome, and they also get the, um, oh, what the hell is he called? The Lord of Hubris, which is a pretty dynamic guy, uh, also on a pretty big hero rock, because that's what we do these days. Uh, yeah, so he's the... Uh, <laughs> The Trader oh, Esoterist Console. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I love it. Like, it's just a pretty cool wizard model overall, but he's also just doing, like, the pinchy, hey, <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> I still think we can all agree the Dark Angels have the coolest heresy models, though, even though the Dark Angels suck. You heard me, Matt. Can we agree that? Do they have the coolest heresy models? Dude, um, I don't, I don't know enough about the heresy models to know if they're the coolest or not. Of the ones that I pay attention, other than the fucking big ass cool knights, but fucking, what is it? Um, what model is this? The Corswain model is so fucking cool. I'll, I'll send it to you. But it, it was from like fucking. Why will it not let me paste? There we go. Oh. Eh, it just kind of feels Dark Angelsy. Yeah, cool hel- helmet. Yeah, that, I think that's why I like it. He's a fucking knight. I like how his knee pads look like little, little helmets. fucking visors yeah. for helmets. That's kind of silly. It's because he's actually uh, two watchers in the dark and a legless space marine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, his his unhelmeted head's dumb as fuck. I hate unhelmeted heads. Yeah, they're usually not great. I know that there's a, a a movement to get people to paint on helmeted heads, which I don't get. I I, I think if you're going into battle, you, you wear, should wear a fucking, fucking helmet. helmet, right? Oh man, so uh, yeah. Other than the uh, Italian space wizard, any anything else catch your eye on Warcom? Um. Well, they did recently have the end of year vote for what the best books on Black Library were. Oh, did they release the results on that? Oh, they did. They Look at sure that. Did. 
which uh, 10th place going to Huron Blackheart Master okay. of the Maelstrom. I'm a little disappointed by I don't know if that says a lot about the rest of the year because I read that book and it was 100 pages too short. It just sort of ended. Ooh, ninth yeah. goes to the Vincula Insurgency, which I actually have on my shelf behind me. I haven't read it. It's uh, Gaunt's Ghost Short Stories. Yeah. Uh, eighth going to Soul Slayer of the Gotrek series. Uh, probably just pretty fun hack and slash adventure. Yeah. Seven going to Sanguinius the Great Angel. So it's probably some whiny emo boy vampire bullshit. And speaking of whiny emo boy, we got <laughs> Mortarian the Pale King in sixth. Uh, I have not read this one. I like Mortarian as a character, but uh, he's a, a a little bit of a whiner sometimes. Yeah. Uh, in fifth, we have Garrow, Knight of the Grey, which I've heard is good. Obviously, got fifth. I have not read this one either, but I mean, it's I think it was a novella, right? It wasn't even uh, like a proper book. I don't know. Um, Brian was talking about it at the shop one day and said he really enjoyed it. But hmm. I mean, Garrow is a cool yeah, character oh, yeah. as we've talked about like twenty episodes ago. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, uh, your boy Sigismund the Eternal boy. Crusader coming in fourth. Yeah, John French. The man writes a good Space Marine novel. I'll give him that. Uh, third place, we have Assassinorum Kingmaker, which is a book about two Imperial assassins taking on their most dangerous mission yet, navigating the complex social landscape of a night world. Not like a dark night world, but like a night world with knights to ensure the right successor takes the throne. All right, then. <laughs> uh, after that, we got Gazgul Thraka, Prophet of the Wah, which I did actually read and I enjoyed a lot. Uh, it's from the perspective of Makari, his banner bearer, um, and how he got captured by the Inquisition and is being interrogated about Gazgul. It's a lot <laughs> of fun. Awesome. I like it a lot. Yeah. Uh, it was. It's a good read, and it was like 350 pages or something. So it's, it's a good, like, you know, sit down over a weekend or, I don't know, a flight or something. Nice. When did... Uh, and then number one echoes of eternity the siege of terra book it came out in september and i don't think i've read this one which is oh wait no no i have uh yes because it's it's the duel with kabanda and angron yeah this one's fucking awesome it's an adb book aaron dembski bowden so you know it's gonna be great Oh, always. Uh, but the, uh, what is it, the the newest Heresy book, or newest Siege of Terra book just released as well, just the other week. Um, it's uh, the, book one of the beginning of the end, essentially? Yeah, it's part one, and I can't remember what it's called. I want to say it's like the end, it, damn it, it's the end and the something. The end and the dead emperor. It, it's actually something like that, I think. <laughs> The End and the Dead Emperor. That's the perfect name. The End and the Death. You were close. It's not the end of the death of the Emperor, but it's the end and the death. You know, <laughs> after a certain point, if you just make up a goofy name, it's not going to be that far away from Warhammer. Uh, I do love GW's Taco Bell naming conventions. <laughs> Let's see if we can cram in another word that starts with I. Uh, oh, yeah. So, um, we are technically a Warhammer podcast, but today we're branching out a little bit. Uh, as I talked earlier, the Cabin Trip, we bring a lot of board games, so we know a lot of our listeners are also board game players, and us being polygamers, we have played quite our fair share. 
So we're just going to touch on some of our favorite board games, some recommendations, uh, some board games maybe we think are a bit overrated. Looking at you, Catan. Fight me. Hmm. Uh, and, you know, some sleeper games, some stuff that, you know, maybe no one's ever heard of that are really fucking good that you should give a try. So, uh, Andrew, why don't you, uh, do you want to start with uh, with a good game or, like, a bad game? Uh, I'll start with a good game, but I'll begin by game. saying that I am a, like, I don't know, like a mid-range board gamer. I play more than your average person for sure, but I don't go as, like, crazy hard into it as a lot of people do. Because uh, we know some people who are like, oh, here's my five shelves of board games, and I try all the don't, new ones and go to the shop me. all the time to try. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I would say that my, most of my board gaming energy goes to, like, Warhammer stuff specifically. So I don't get to try quite as many as I would like to. But, you know, if I was made of time, I would play a lot more. But um, I'll just start off with a a good, solid all-rounder that I think people who are, uh, you know, past Monopoly and those kind of board games want to give, like, a really good try for just a solid all-rounder board game. And that is uh, Betrayal at House on the Hill. I knew you were going to say that one. I love that fucking game. It's a fantastic game. So basic premise is you're playing an investigator who is checking out a spoopy haunted house. Uh, You and all your friends choose different investigators. They have different stats, strength, intelligence, uh, sanity, stuff like that. Uh, And the map is not determined. So as you explore... If you, as you open doors, you're exploring the mansion and you're putting down randomized tiles and the randomized tiles uh, and the clues you find in each room dictate the story. So the story evolves as you play. So I have played the game a couple dozen times at this point and have literally never gotten the exact same story. Um and they can play out vastly differently. Like, they're not necessarily the same genre. Like, I've had Lovecraftian horror stories where we've been chased down by, you know, uh, monsters from the great beyond, essentially. I've had one where our souls got ripped from our bodies and we had to find a way to get back into them before the person who who did that one gets away with it. Oh, and it's called Betrayal at House on the Hill. So one of you will always be the traitor who tries to screw over the group, but it's randomized. You don't know who it is. So there's no real, no real way to like have that person fuck over the group ahead of time. So here's the thing though. The traitor who reads the traitor stuff. Isn't always a bad guy. Sometimes you're still working with the group. So it could be like, the when it flips it becomes a scenario that person reads one thing everyone else reads the other but it could be uh everyone versus each other it could be everyone versus one person it could be everyone versus people on one level of the house it could be everyone versus the house like we played one where the house shot up into the air and started free falling and we were trying to escape and like do things to get out of it uh a really fun one we played was everyone who wasn't the betrayer had to remain silent. You could not say a word. Yeah, so there's just a lot of, like, very wacky things that change it up every time. And, like, from a story point of view, it doesn't necessarily flow the best, but that's okay because you're not really in it for that. It's just kind of like, all right, here's the premise, here's the traitor or, you know, whatever group strife is happening, go. These are your parameters that you have to do. So uh, that happens after a certain amount of time, though. You don't get that right off the bat. You have to explore enough of the house, and once you start getting certain clues called omens, Mm -hmm. uh, then you start rolling, and then once you roll, I think it's equal to or greater, than the omen then it's equal uh, to or under the omen 
under the omen. That's it. Because like the lower it is, the less likely you yeah. are to start the haunt. But uh, the higher we've gotten it before, where we essentially had to roll. Uh, <laughs> we we essentially maxed out the dice and just kept fucking up. We kept getting higher every time and played to where we were just out of tiles essentially. Yeah. So that can happen. It's unlikely. Yeah, it's very but, unlikely. Uh, tons of different stories and there's expansions for it now so if you've gone through the 50 scenarios that come with the base game you can unlock another 25 or so and there's also betrayal legacy where you play like seasons of betrayal house on the hill it's a very cool way to play the game and it's a very fun one uh you only really need like a basic understanding of like statistic-based characters, strength, intelligence, etc., and so forth. The roles are not that complicated for it. There's dozens of videos on YouTube to teach you how to play, so it's one that you could pretty easily teach to, you know, siblings, parents, maybe even grandparents. It's, it's or just like, you know, board game curious friends. It's, uh, as far as, quote, complicated board games go, it's kind of like an entry-level one. Yeah, it's, so, it's probably yeah. three, maybe four out of ten, I would say. Yeah, yeah, not not hard, little complicated, but not bad. It's not you, it's not a Twilight Imperium or anything no, like that I by any means. Twilight Imperium, but it is not it is not an entry level game. It's and not that's one like you teach grandma. Out of 10. Uh, yeah. Another great thing about the Betrayal games is, in addition to Legacy and the Widow's Walk expansion, if you've got a D and D group, there is Betrayal at Baldur's Gate, which is Betrayal at House on the Hill with a D and D skin on it, and it's fantastic. Yep. Super fun. Got that one as well. Yeah, that one's great. That's a good, good so, you know, pick. You can still get all the stuff with ghost possession and things like that, but sometimes you have to fight a displacer beast in an alleyway or something. So Because there is some combat. You are fighting monsters and stuff like that occasionally. Uh, and picking up magic items and, you know, weird artifacts. Or sometimes just a shotgun, you know, <laughs> if you're playing normal betrayal. Yeah. So, it's because it, it's kind of... Uh, date ambiguous, but it's kind of a 20s to 40s-ish kind of timeline, just based on like the style of clothing that people are yeah. wearing. So kind of just, you know, Lovecraftian spookiness sort of vibes it, to it. It's very, very fun. Very Scooby-Doo as well. Yeah, yeah, like more adult Scooby-Doo, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, how about you, Tony? What's a, what's a good game for you to recommend to people, or to tell people to fuck off for playing? <laughs> <laughs> so, one of my favorite games is a game called Sentinels of the Multiverse. It is, it's technically a card game, but it, it still falls into the, you know, the purview of what we're talking about. Right. So the premise of it is, is it is an entirely cooperative game. You are all working together. You're basically playing a group like the Avengers or the fucking Justice League, something like that. But it's all specific heroes to this game. And there's, there's tons and tons of characters and villains. How it works is you have your, your hero card which has your ability on it, uh, the phases of the game are play a card, use a power, draw a card. That's what you do on your turn. So it's super simple. All the cards tell you what to do on it. Uh, there's characters like Bunker, who's like War Machine. You have Tachyon, who's like a speedster character. You have um, the Wraith, which is fucking Batman. So there's a... If you have any specific hero you like, there's a Sentinels character for it. And then the villain works. It's got a card, like a big card that tells you what to do. You draw the card off the villain deck, and then that card will be like a one-shot, something that goes off right then, or something that stays in play, or like a henchman. And then the card will go through and tell you what it does. Plays between one and five players. And all of its damage is, uh, you'll see like, it does H plus two damage, or H minus one damage. So if you're playing with three players, H is three. It's the amount of heroes on the board. 
So you've got your heroes, your villain, and then you have to have a place to fight. So there's a bunch of environments. And they also work independently. You just draw the top card of the environment deck, do what it says. So, like, uh, one of the fun ones we had, we were fighting... Let's see, we had Bunker, who's War Machine, Tachyon, who's the Flash, uh, Absolute Zero, who is, like, uh, Iceman from the X-Men, and then yeah. um, Guys, who is Deadpool. Like, all of his cards, like, break the fourth wall. It's, you know, do, like, one range damage, uh, do two more range damage if you give another player a high five and go, Oh, yeah! Stuff like that. Like, it's all about breaking the fourth wall. And we were fighting against, um, oh god, ta- uh, I want to say his name's Taskmaster or something like that. But he's this, like, fucking extra-dimensional gambling creature thing, and so everything's really randomized and fun in it. And we were fighting in a moon base where if something goes, if a specific thing happens in the environment deck, it starts venting atmosphere. And if the deck runs out, everyone loses, including the villain, because, you know, you can't breathe. But it's a fantastic <laughs> yeah, <that's> game. <laughs> huh? I said, yeah, that tracks. Yeah. It, it's a fantastic, fun game. Uh, there's a new one called... Uh, what is it? Shit. I don't remember what the new set is called, but I've got it as well. That plays with it. It's also done by the same people. But it's, it's a little bit more balanced than this one is. But yeah, one to five players, entirely cooperative, and it doesn't get much easier to teach people this game. It's probably a two out of ten on complexity and ease. And it doesn't take much space. Fast, you know, 30, 45 minute games too. So it's a real fun just kind of pick up and play game. Okay, that sounds pretty cool, yeah. Have you played Sentinels? I don't think I have. I played played one that was very similar, but it was like Marvel specific. Oh, Legacy. Uh, yeah, that, legend, that I had Legendary, played. legendary, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So we Because we, we did a, uh, a board game weekend up at a cabin, ooh, like 2020 or something, I want to say. It was like right after the vaccine. Um, was that when Ben told us the wrong dates? I think so. Yeah, that, yeah, that was, was the, the one. With, with Bryce and Tim and Ozzy Matt and all yeah, that. Yeah, Brett and Ozzy Matt and all yep. that, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was a good time. But we played it up there. Um, yeah, and I had fun with that. Uh, we did not win, but we did have fun with it. Uh, I, I feel like that was a, a, a pretty difficult game. It requires a lot of uh, cooperation yeah. to, to succeed on. But that was that was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a villain in Sentinels called um, Iron Legacy, who is basically Homelander. Oh, wow. You lose like 95% of the time. Oh, and every, uh, yeah, every character has their arch nemesis, which is a specific logo on the card. And if you're fighting them, you do one extra damage to them, but they do one extra damage to you because you're just like hated foes. Hmm. So that's a, it's just a fun little mechanic. Yeah, that sounds pretty interesting. What's uh, what's another one that you thoroughly recommend? All right. Well, this is one that I had uh, discovered over COVID times with a couple of buddies who, uh, you know, we was after like uh, proper uh, lockdown type stuff back when we were kind of like tentatively starting to hang out again. Uh, and it is called Root, which is a super fun uh, strategy yeah. game. I I enjoy it a lot. So basic premise is you choose a faction. It's it's kind of like a twee like woodland setting very like cutesy watercolor like kind of almost like 70s kind of style art stuff i the aesthetics beautiful on it. 
the aesthetics are amazing on it. I love the, like it's genuinely some of the best art I've seen in a board game. Um, but you choose different factions, uh, where you get like basic, uh, woodland rebels. You get Marquis de cats, which are like the evil empire. You get the eerie, which are the birds. You can get the vagabonds, which are like these solo crazy operatives. There's tons of expansions where you can play as the river folk, which are otters. Oh, they're the IRA, uh, right? <laughs> no, it's that game uh, is literally pick which terrorist organization you want to be. Kind of, yeah. Like, do you want to be the evil fascist dictatorship of the cats? Do you want to be the, you know, kind of overly violent rebel group? Like, it's it's kind of weirdly dark for being it a very, really like, is. cutesy kind of art style. Do you want the or you Viet play- Cong that digs the tunnels everywhere and has pit traps? Yeah, or you could play as the uh, the crazy cultist lizards who try and indoctrinate other members of people's armies so that they can be sacrificed for bonuses and stuff. Like it's it's, it's a really real interesting. Dark game, but it's fun. It is. Or you can play as the mercenary vagabond who'll fight for anybody. He has no actual morals, and you can you can do like co-op wins with them because you can finally t- you know hitch your wagon onto whichever faction uh, fucks over other people the most so you get the most gains out of it it's really fun and every single faction plays in a totally different way so like the cats have the infrastructure so they're constantly pumping out new soldiers they can build more stuff than other people but like the woodland rebels can uh, like seed like malcontents around and eventually like cause up a rebellion and like take an entire section away from whoever owns it because they like overnight burned it down. Uh, like I said, the vagabond can like uh, solo stuff. They have access to all kinds of like gear and things that other people don't get. And if they get certain types of gear, they can like take on a whole army on their own because they're super strong. Uh, the birds have like these different uh, like. Uh, 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 people in like rulership and if they don't hit certain criterias they get overthrown and they get a new person in charge and they have different criteria they have to hit Uh, and if you do manage to hit those criteria you get massive bonuses it's really interesting mechanics and it's it's leads to a lot of replayability because you can find your one favorite faction of course and you know oh like me personally i like playing the vagabond because it's a lot less shit to deal yeah. with than some of the factions honestly but um I, I so think you I, know it was you, the otters i enjoyed playing yeah the river folk are a yeah. lot of fun there's like a mole faction that's come out recently I, I haven't gotten too far into any of the expansions yet but um so once you get bored of one of those factions, you could just switch to a totally different one. You could try a completely different play style. It lends itself to massive replayability. It does. And if for some reason you don't want to own the very cool and beautifully made and constructed board game, there's a video game version now. You can actually get a video game version on Steam, and it's also very fun and does really well and emulates the board game pretty much perfectly. But yeah, now Root is it's it's a fun game. It plays six, right? Uh, up to four, and then. The, depending on the expansions uh, add more, I know. Yes, definitely, and depending on you know card pickups and how fast you steamroll, it's yeah. around an hour, sometimes up to two. Just you know, because sometimes there's a lot of diplomacy in it. Like yeah. you can you can you can trade with other players, you can you know backstab other people, form alliances and so forth. So it's it's a lot of uh, you know strategy manipulation type stuff. It's very interesting. I like it a lot. Complexity wise, I'd probably put it at like. Uh, I'd say maybe a five to six out of 10, just because you have to learn each faction um, and what they can do and how to defend against what they can do. So it's a tiny bit more complex than some games are. But once you have the basics down, it's very fun and flows very well. Oh, man. Yeah, so um, my next one, speaking of diplomacy, is the game Diplomacy. Well, hey, look at that. Have you ever played Diplomacy, Andrew? I have not. Okay, so diplomacy 
it is leading up to World War One. It uh, it starts in 1901. Um, I think it's spring of 1901 is when it starts. You basically you have what is it? It's uh, seven players. You have Austria, England, France, Germany, Italy, Russia, and Turkey. You can only play this game with seven players. So you're each one of those powers, uh, and you are trying to basically just win and take over the territory. You're just vying for position. And it is literally a game that can ruin friendships. Because there's no dice involved. It's not turn-based. Everything happens at the same time. So you have one person who's who's kind of like in charge of it, and who's like a DM almost. So I guess you play with eight people. Um, and every person writes their moves down and puts them in at once. And those are the moves that happen. The fun part of this game is you're literally building alliances with other people because the only way to take a point, uh, say you have, uh, like, I I don't know, say I'm trying to take over Spain. Um, if you have one troop in Spain, if I send one troop into Spain, they bounce. If I send one, if I send two troops into Spain to your one troop, your guy retreats and I take it. If you support your one guy and I've supported my guy going into Spain, they bounce. So you have to outnumber them to take it. So by support and stuff like that. And it takes place, um, each year has three seasons in it, spring, fall, and winter. And it's just, you just go until one team is determined as the winner by the other people surrendering or by taking over everything. And oh my god, the best way to play is not on a board, which I know sounds weird for a board game, but it's an app online called Backstabber. Because it sets up basically a message board where you can talk to each other back and forth, set up alliances, set up backstabs, stuff like that. And then you have a, like a 48-hour window to submit your moves. And then at a specific time, all of those moves go through. And then it, it just goes again and again. But we played it in our other gaming group. Uh, dude, it was it was so much fucking fun just having these little backstabby alliances. And kind of, like, for lack of a better term, fucking over your friends when you're playing. Uh, if, if you've never played it, I... I do recommend it, but it is a game where you have to play it with very specific friends who know it's just a game because yeah, it can some people, straight uh, ruin a friendship. Some people do not love the backstab. Some people games. do not love the backstab, and that is exactly what this game is. It's it's a solid one. Uh, complexity, it's probably it's probably a seven out of ten, I would say. Uh, but I like that there's no dice involved. It is purely talking and strategy there is zero dice rolls in the game which is a nice no luck yeah but uh yeah that's a that's a really fun fucking game okay cool uh well we'll go with another good recommend i guess how how do we want do we want to start doing some bad ones and then go back to recommends do kind of a, a positive sandwich or something uh yeah let's let's throw some bad ones and then we'll go back to recommends Okay, well, uh, I guess we could start off with what you already said. Catan, Catan. which is not, not a bad board game. It's, it's not a, a good board game. It's a deeply overplayed board game, and I don't know, complexity level like two or three. It's very easy to learn. It's fun. It's not bad. I don't hate it. I've had plenty plenty of good nights hanging out with friends playing it. Uh, it's a good one for like 
I don't know, um, older kids, like preteens, uh, or, you know, family board game night type stuff. But like, there was this weird period from like 2010 to like 2017 ish, where everybody's like, fucking Catan, we gotta play Catan. And it's like, there's other board games, guys, you know that, right? There are so many board games. So I think, yeah, not, not bad, just overplayed for sure. And it's one of those games where it's like 5,000 different editions of it. Kind of like a Munchkin where it's like, oh, do you want the Star Trek version of it? Do you want yeah. the, the, the Game of Thrones Catan? It's like, ah, I don't need this. Come on. Yeah, and you have to you have to be willing to work with each other in Catan. And if one person isn't, then it's just, it's not fun. Because that one person can kill the game for everyone. Yeah, definitely uh, one where you have to play ball, otherwise it's just a wasted evening. Yeah, it's just... It kills me, because it's, it's a... It could be a good game, but it's just... It's just... It's not. A couple of little tweaks, and it could be pretty amazing, I think. Yeah. I, I don't know. It, I still feel like it needs something. Yeah. It, it might just be one of those ones that's not just been pushed quite far enough. Maybe that's it. But, uh... Since I since I stole your initial one, do you have another another one that you have a seething hatred for, or at least a uh, deep loathing? So you actually touched on it already, and that's the legacy game, uh, ah, okay. like or le- not legacy, legendary. Sorry, like Marvel, legendary, oh, the Marvel one. Those yeah. um, I've played the Marvel one. I've played the Alien versus Predator one. It gets a lot of love, but I think it's 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 too complicated for what it is. There's better versions of those games out there. Like, if I want to play a game where I'm playing as heroes, I'm, I'm going to play Sentinels. It's not stupidly complicated for a board game you're going to lose 80% of the time. It just, That's I don't know. very fair. That yeah. one just doesn't do it for me. I mean, we played that one like five or six times that weekend, and we could not win. Yeah, and so that, that's either, not fun. Either we're idiots or the, the game, game is, to... or the game is just very hard. <laughs> yeah, to me, that's just not fun. But yeah. Uh... Let's see. Another one that I'm not super fond on, even though I've played it a bunch. Uh, Arkham Horror, because that's another one where it's just really goddamn difficult mm. to win and really goddamn overcomplicated and has like 5,000 expansions and such to it at Which, this point. I've got that game and all of its expansions up to like 2015. <sighs> and then you realize, why am I spending so much money on this kind of meh board game? Yeah, so here is a fun counter. If you don't like Arkham... Uh, Arkham Horror, but you like the universe of it, Elder Sign. It is... I have not played you're, Elder You're Sign. building the map with cards, and it's the same game. Like, it's it's the same, you know, stop the fucking an old one from being summoned, deal with cultists, all that, but it's in card form. It plays much quicker. I want to say it plays in like an hour and a half or so, but okay. it's great. It's a great game. Yeah, 90 minutes. It plays up to eight players as well. Wow. Uh, and it's done by Fantasy Flight Games, who I'm 95% sure don't make a bad game. They're pretty solid. They, uh, they're they the ones who did the Black Crusade, or the uh, Dark Heresy yes, uh, RPG. RPG set, right? Yep, yep. Yeah. All the 40k RPGs. That's cool. uh, and the Star Wars RPG is by Fantasy Flight. Ah, well, look at that. Yep. Uh, the Outer um, Rim or whatever it is. But, another one that's kind of a, a good in-betweeny of uh, Arkham Horror and uh, I guess that one since it's a little uh, way less complicated is Mansions, Mansions of Madness because yeah. it's it's 
it's kind of Arkham Horror meets uh, Betrayal at House on the Hill. What's great about that one, though, is it has the app that it gives yes. mood music and it talks you through it. That's The companion app on that is great. Any board game with a companion app, I am all fucking for. Yeah, I actually haven't played it since the companion app came out because uh, I got it like, mm, I want to say like 2015, maybe 2014, uh, like the second edition, right when it came out, essentially. Yeah. And yeah, man, that game, the companion app helps a lot oh, from man, uh, what I've heard. I'll get my copy back from a buddy and we'll uh, we'll play it one day. I actually have the the, the, the board game. Oh, I just okay. need to download the app. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's so good. It's a solid game. I love anything Cthulhu related. Yeah, love but horrible person though he was. Lovecraft yes, did was, create a very solid pretty, universe. Pretty, pretty bad dude. Pretty bad dude. But his hatred of other peoples and scaredy catness of uh, different cultures did lead to a very good, like you know, fear of the unknown, which translates well to literature. So you know, say what you will about him as a person, he was a good writer. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so the other one that I don't like, I'm probably going to get some hate for. Um, okay. It's a game that, for the longest time, this is one of like the top three or four games on Board Game Geek, and it's Agricola. It's you're you're building a homestead. You're building your house. You're building fields. You're farming it. All that stuff. It's supposed to be this simple little nice game. It's like, I think it might just be who I played it with the first couple of times. It was those people who are like, I'm gonna win no matter what cost, and they just beat the shit out of you and it's not fun i just don't like playing with those kind of people in general yeah but that was what i had at the time so maybe Fair that's enough. why i don't like this game i've played it a couple of times since then and it's still not fun to me but here here's the fun part about it is if you look at its profile on board game geek 7.9 out of 10 which is staggering like that's really good but the playing time is 30 minutes to 150 minutes that's a pretty big gap. That's a pretty big gap indeed. That's half an hour to almost three hours. That's, yeah, that's hard to dedicate time to at yeah. that point. So, yeah, but it's turn-based. It's it's in rounds and stages, and you're, you're literally just fucking building a farm. Joseph would probably I mean, love it. I mean, yeah, but, you know, the theme will only get you so far. Yeah. But yeah, so okay. that's, that's my other not a big fan of. I don't have any other ones right off the top. I, I, I of my don't head. either. Those are those are my big ones. Other than you know Monopoly, but I don't yeah. think anybody likes Monopoly, yeah. so not a not a not exactly a hard one to to <laughs> bring out. So we'll get back to games we do like. Uh, a recent one that our buddy Brett put us onto uh, that I like a lot yeah. is Carthage. Oh, it's so good. Uh, Carthage, super fun. This one we had a blast at when we did the board game weekend at the cabin. Different one than Tony's. Um, where the basic premise of it is it's a combo of a deck building game and a miniature game. So you are a gladiator and the whole shtick is you are doing gladiatorial combat and you're trying to kill your fellow players gladiators. Um, and so you pick different types of gladiators. So, you know, extra big beefy guy with the axe, fast guy with two daggers, guy with net and spear, that type of thing. Uh, each have different abilities. And as the game is going on, you are building a deck of cards that gives you different abilities. And 
kind of the whole game is every card is kind of a gotcha sort of thing, which typically I hate, but like the entire game is gotchas, so you're expecting it. It's not that bad there. Um, and you're trying to navigate the arena while you're doing your abilities with your cards. The arena can have traps, depending on the scenario that you're playing. It can sometimes have wild animals, like you could have to fight a fucking tiger, you know, like they did back in the day in the Greco-Roman arenas. Or just a wild uh, fan. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes some dipshit will just jump in the stadium and you have to go, oh, okay, we'll kill him too, I guess. Um, so yeah, it's it's a really fun mix of trying to uh, manage your, your deck and make sure you don't waste cards unnecessarily because there are a lot of like, you know, once you've used it, it gets shuffled back in or is burnt. And the, but also trying to be powerful enough to uh, completely eliminate this guy and try not to get killed by the guy behind you. Like, it's really fun. It's a, uh, it's actually one to five players. There are solo scenarios if you really wanted to. Not quite as good that way. Did you so, ever play uh, it with the complex rules where each person has their own like bespoke deck or no? Uh, yeah, we did the bespoke, bespoke okay. decks. Yeah, so it was, like it was a lot of fun. Each gladiator type has their own weapons and stuff. Yeah, there's like a there's like a neutral deck that you pull from, and then they have their own specific st stuff that they can do with their own type of weapons yeah. and abilities. Like the barbarian guy has like pick up and throw type stuff, yeah. and the fast guy has bonus movement stuff like yeah. that. But uh, oh no, it's, it, it's a there's also specific weapon and equipment cards that they start with in the advanced version. I'm pretty sure we did that okay. as well. Yeah, we didn't end up doing that because we played that a bunch of the cabin as well. Fucking yeah, solid. been a. I guess it's actually been a couple of years since I played it at this point, but yeah, super, super fun. Highly recommend. It's one of those um, low manufactured games. It didn't quite take off like some do. It's hard but, to find. Uh, uh, last I checked on Amazon, like five minutes ago, there were like four copies for sale. Oh, okay. So it's it's around. It's just not going to be one of those ones that you can go to any board game shop and get. So yeah. definitely it, search it's around not if an you're impulse interested. Buy a game. But it's only like $30, too. So as far as board games go, that's a very reasonable entry yeah. price. Um, what I like yeah, about so, that one is when you're eliminated, you just keep coming back as animals and shit like that. So you get to keep yeah, playing. You, you can keep messing with people, yeah. Even if you've lost, you still get to have fun. Um, and it's complexity, maybe like a four. Like there's the deck building aspect, and there are bonus rules that you can add on because there's a, a simplified version and the complex version, like Tony said. Yeah. And then different scenarios like the animal fights and things like that. So it can be, I, I guess it starts off at like a two and goes up to a four or five, but it's, it's really not that bad. Uh, 30 minutes to maybe an hour play time, depending on the scenario you're doing and how many players there are. So uh, really not too, too difficult of a thing. Really solid in between of like, you know, a skirmish game like a war cry or a, a kill team or something and just a basic board game i would say so it, it was really fun there was one of those ones where i played it two or three times over that weekend and i'm like i'm going home and buying this like immediately yeah. like i i ordered it pretty much as soon as i got home so it's super fun definitely recommend yeah um another great one uh our buddy trent loves this game i've played it a handful of times terraforming mars Still haven't actually played it. it. It's great. So basically, you're like a CEO of a corporation who has a contract to terraform Mars. Uh, you get different things that you're, you know, like your corporation is good at. And you're drawing through decks that are like uh, things that change the world. Because the things you're trying to do to, to terraform Mars is you are trying to get liquid water on Mars... Uh, nine tiles of liquid water get up to I think it's like eight or ten degrees Celsius 
um, and then get 14% oxygen. And once, I think it's once two of those three are completed, then the game ends. Or maybe it's once all three of them, it's probably once all three of them are completed. The game ends and you score points. And so you're drawing cards that are different things like, um, like, uh, import, uh, or like permafrost extraction. So it like, um, it adds liquid water, but it lowers the temperature of the earth, but it has to, or of Mars, it has to be a certain temperature for you to do it. There's like uh, deep well heating, there's making artificial lakes, there's solar wind things, there's making cities on it. You score points depending on what tiles you place, how many forests you have placed on the city, or on the, the board, um, how many things you have done for each of the things to terraform Mars. It's it's complicated, but it's not hyper-complicated. It took us about two games to kind of get a handle on it. Um, I'd probably put it at maybe a seven, six and a half to seven out of ten. Uh, it does take about two to three hours. So we played it with three people, and it took us about two, two and a half hours because we were learning. But, right, but once you know what you're doing, it's probably an hour and a half to do. Yeah, maybe. probably. Uh, the art on it's great. I love the art on the cards. Um, it's it's just a fun game. Tons of tons of expansions for it. Uh, and all of the little chits are a very nice acrylic cubes, and they're just very aesthetically pleasing. I do like a good chit. I do. I do enjoy a good chit. And a good meeple oh, is done well. A good meeple is just just fucking shit. Root, Root has very good they're, meeples because they're, they're some of the best meeples. Because they because they look like meeples, but they're shaped like whatever animal you have. Yeah. So if you're doing the cats, they look like little cats, and they got little cat faces on them, and they're great. Oh, yeah. Do you uh, you got any other recommendation board games? Um, none that I'm like a crazy like. Oh, we got to do tons of these, but I, I got a few I can rattle off that are very fun, but like not necessarily the ones like. Oh, you absolutely have to yeah. play these all the well, time. Let, so, let's, big, let's kick some of those out. Not go into detail them, but be like, yeah, here's here's a couple to check out. Yeah, so some big ones that you know. Uh, are very solid all-rounders well worth checking out uh pandemic that's just pandemic a very good one great. that's that's probably not one that i really need to go in depth on because yeah. it's a big one that people have played a lot of uh splendor is very fun uh, oh yeah very splendor, the jewel game where you're like uh buying and selling jewels right yeah yeah you're like a, a jewel merchant essentially and you're trying to build up a jewel that empire. Great. it's yeah it's very simple to learn uh one of those ones that's you know, good strategy to it just pretty fun all-rounder um Machi Koro is one that I like a lot. I don't know if you've heard of this one. Is that the panda one? Uh, no, so it's no, that's, a that's city. Takanato. Yeah, so it's a city development game. Kind of, kind of like Splendor, actually, but like you're trying to corner like uh, resources that uh, once you hit a certain point, you'd win. Uh, so like you know, if you're, f- you're doing like, oh, I'm going to focus on the fishing industry or something, I'll get X amount of points for tuna and Y amount of points for these fishing boats, and you're essentially just trying to build a city with everybody, and you know, just whoever gets the most points by a certain round wins. Very fun, very simple, pretty good uh, expansion sets. Um, Let's see. Do I have any other ones off the top of my head? Uh, no, that sounds about right for me. I think I'm good. Right. How about you? Any other ones? Uh, so oh, sorry. Seven Wonders. That's another Seven good Wonders. one. Yes. That I'd... I'm, I'm glad you yes. mentioned that one. Yeah, I, I recently played that one with family a uh, couple of Christmases ago that we got into it. And that was we started with Seven Wonders Duel, which is the two-player version that I liked a lot. Uh, liked enough that we immediately went and got the normal version so we could play with the whole family. Ton of fun. Liked it a lot. Uh, very, very fun. Just general small scale empire building type game. So, yeah, uh, recommended highly. Very fun. 
Yeah, Seven Wonders is fantastic. Uh, that's a great entry-level game, especially considering it plays seven people. And probably like 45-minute games, yeah, give or take. it's quick. It's what, yeah. uh, three ages, right? Yeah. 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 And I, I really like that game and the fact that you're only really dealing with the people next to you. Typically, yeah. Yeah. Uh, only real issue is, man, you really have to dedicate to military if you want a military victory. It's really you tough. Do. It's really hard to win a military victory. But anyway, a couple of a uh, couple of high notes on mine. There is the Firefly board game, which is really good, but it takes a while. But if you're a fan of the show, it's a whole bunch of callbacks and Easter eggs to the show. Basically, you have a ship uh, and you're doing a job. Like, uh, you have all the different, you have, like, Fanti and Mingo you can do jobs for, you've got, uh, fucking Patience, you've got Badger, all those characters, and you're trying to do one big overarching thing to win. Like, one of the ones we played, it was, um, uh, to win you had to have something shiny, have something new, um, have money in, the, like, have a lot of money in the bank. It was just, like, a bunch of play-on-word things that you had to do. So that was a, a fun little bit, but there's, like, eight or ten big overarching things to do and it's a it's a bunch of decks of cards for the other stuff and a really nice big board okay um another one yeah you got to mention gloomhaven if you're talking board games uh one that i've tried multiple times to play the video game version of and just can't win yeah uh the video game version is well there's two video game versions of it one of them is like a direct port the other is its own thing but mm, maybe it's its own thing is the one I keep trying to play. It's hard to start with. The game is hard. Like you get your ass kicked a lot till you level up because it's kind of D and D esque. Downside of that, it takes a while to set up, and it only plays four people. Yeah. A, a lot of games that play four people, you can kind of hack to play five or six on. Not this one. It does not translate up. Hmm. Uh, if you're a D and D fan, the Pathfinder Battles card game. They are so good. Uh, it's it's deck building. You have your character, they have their abilities, you're literally working through an entire adventure module, there's like location decks you go through, you're trying to fight the big bads in it. Fucking solid. It's our go-to D&D night game if, uh, if like two people aren't there, we play that instead. But that is, uh, like, that's a 10 out of 10 recommend. It's fucking awesome. And then we would both be remiss if we did not talk about the greatest game we've ever played together, Andrew. Blood Bowl? Secret Hitler. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so for those of you who missed it, Secret Hitler is fucking awesome. It is Gaslight Your Friends the Game. It's uh, Tony's a dirty fascist and keeps saying that I'm the Hitler Look, even just, though I'm not. Just because Andrew's Hitler. I was Hitler that one time and I won and it was very funny. <laughs> I was one of your fascists that time, I believe. Uh, I think so. I think yeah. so, yeah. It was Bobby for sure was yeah, one. Yeah, Bobby was yeah. one of them. Uh, but yeah, Secret Hitler is, it's one of the best fucking party games out there. It's so much fucking fun. Uh, what? Oh. What's up? Oh, I have one that I forgot oh, to yeah. mention. Uh, from a uh, Athens area board game developer, Campy Creatures, which is a lot of fun. That's um, an Athens game? Pretty sure. Keymaster Games. I'm pretty sure they're Athens. I had no idea. I think they might be out of like Winterville. Let me double check. That sounds right, because it's somebody Phil and Matt know. Uh, yep, they are. Athens, Georgia. Well, son of a bitch! Just wanted to double-check that. But, uh, on top of being from our area, so of course we gotta gotta give them a shout-out, uh, it's actually just a really fun game. So, uh, essentially, you're playing, like, a mad scientist type, 
and all of your everybody is and you're trying to uh accrue the most uh like 1950s horror movie survivors for your experiments and you do that by sending monsters at each other and they're all based on like uh universal movie monsters you get like your king kong there's a kaiju that's very reminiscent of godzilla you can get like a creature from the black lagoon invisible man man. i had no idea this was them out of athens yeah well that's Um, cool as shit each one of the monsters does different things to certain monsters. There's one that completely negates, uh, like the kaiju. If you have it on the board, they're all worth different values and go at different times. So it's kind of like a mind game to figure out like, Oh, he played X card last round. So he's going to play Y card this round. So I need to play this card to try and counter that so I can get this survivor. Uh, so it's a lot of fun. Uh, you have to worry about like getting monster hunters in place of survivors. So that can be kind of the gotcha is trying to give, uh, your friends, the monster, hunters instead of the people they're trying to capture there's um, a lot of uh, small strategic elements like oh I can get this teenager card which is not worth very much but if I capture a ton of teenagers they multiply their bonuses it's it's a very fun like pretty easy like simple to learn hard to master kind of uh, kind of strategy game and I, I was gifted that one a couple of years ago and I played it a bunch very fun I like it a lot I would, I would like to play that I've never played that I'll uh, try and bring it next time we're in a not uh, games workshop mood. <laughs> they also have a game called Caper, which is supposed to be pretty good. I have not and played whatever that Whatever Parks is. Parks is their big seller. Hmm. Never played that one either. I have to check out some of these. Yeah, I had no idea this was local. Like, I'd, I'd seen Campy Creatures before. Dude, the artwork on Space Parks is so cool. But it's got it's got little fucking metal looking spaceships, and it looks to be some little chits. I do love me a good. Chit. I do. I love the art on the. I'm gonna have to fucking pick a set of this up. Oh damn! Only twenty five bucks. That's I know, very right? reasonable for a board game. So hey, Keymaster Games doing good work. Cool art. Seriously? Yeah, dude, like this, this art is all. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up a copy of this. Yeah, very uh, national parks. Do they, but yeah, space parks. Do they obviously. sell yeah. local. Uh, probably would have it at Dragon Star or something. I've never seen it. I'll, I'll, I'm off tomorrow. I'll swing by and see if they do because I would, I would love to do that. I mean, if I could buy direct from, I'd prefer to do that. That way, they get all the profits on it. But you know, yeah, yeah. But if they don't have them at the local shops, yeah, then sure. do what you gotta do. Man, that looks awesome. Look. Yeah, definitely gonna check them out. Yeah, very fun. Uh, all right, so Andrew, what is an under the radar game that you love? A lot of people probably have never heard about. Do you have one? I just said one. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, that's fair. Cabin Creatures, yeah, that works. Yeah, I didn't know we were doing this bit, otherwise I would have saved it oh, for that. apologies. <laughs> well, we're doing the bit now. All right, well, now it's your turn. <laughs> I've, got, I've got two. Do you have a second one, or did you just have the one? Just the one, okay. so you go ahead. So the first one is a game that I bought a friend entirely as a goof. It's called Warsaw City of Ruins. And the story behind this is it came it from that... Sounds very goofy. <laughs> okay. It, it's not, actually. It's, it's Well, it's because the city of Warsaw has been destroyed in so many wars and it just keeps getting rebuilt. Oh, I know. That's yeah. why I was saying that sounds very goofy in a very sarcastic voice. <laughs> but the, the goof on it was because in the game of Diplomacy that we played, our buddy Benson, he was part of our alliance. We're like, Benson, we need you to support a defense in Warsaw... Otherwise, you'll get pushed off the supply point and eliminated. All he had to do was support Warsaw. That was it. He had to literally click two things. Click one of his units, click support. Warsaw would have been fine. 
Benson supported the wrong fucking territory and Warsaw fell. So now, anytime we tell Benson to do something, it's Benson, remember Warsaw and do it this way. So I saw this a couple of years ago at Christmas, Warsaw City of Ruins, and bought it on a whim form as a joke. That was probably 2017, maybe. Um, we played it for the first time at the cabin this year. It's fucking great. It's the tile placement of Carcassonne meets Seven Wonders. So you're huh. building a district in Warsaw, and there's different parts of the district. You have residential, commercial, parks, um, uh, transit, and something else. I don't remember what the other one is. Uh, and they each score different points. It works over six ages, and in the, I think the third age, you have to destroy one of your tiles, and in the fifth age, which is World War II, you destroy two more of your tiles. There's also, like, big things in it that are like wonders, like an autom- like the first automotive factory and things like that that get you extra points, but goddamn, it's fun. Uh, plus, Andrew, it's got meeples. It has four meeples, one for each player, and they're a fucking mermaid holding a shield. Because apparently that's the crest of Warsaw. Wonderful. But yeah, no, that game is, it, it's fucking fantastic. Alright, cool. I would uh, not have expected that. Neither would we. Well, Alright then. Well, what's your second okay. one? Okay, my other second one was another game we got as a goof. And are you familiar with the, the 1980s Bill Murray classic Groundhog Day? No, definitely not. Okay, so in, in the movie Groundhog Day, uh, Bill Murray keeps repeating the same day over and over and over again. Okay? So yep. we picked up the game, Groundhog Day, the game, to play. And you're literally playing cards uh, trying to have the perfect day. It's kind of hard to explain. Each card has a number on it, 1 through 12. And you're trying to play them in order, like 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. Or like uh, 2, 4, 8, 9, 10, 11. Something like that. You play 7, one for each. Like It's, it's basically they're each hours. And you're trying right. to play 7 of them for his day. And the goal is to get all of the perfect cards. So the cards that are... Like, they have hearts on the bottom of them. So when he does things right that end the right way. Like, the perfect date. The ice sculpture. Like, the key moments in the movie. And all the cards are moments in the movie. And your, your goal is to play seven of the perfect day cards. There's 12 of them. You have to play seven of them at once to win. But you also have to have a higher score than the day before. And each time, each player is dealt less cards. And you can't talk as you play them. So you're dealt the cards, and then a timer is flipped, and you have to play the cards in sequence to get it. There's no communication. So it's it's really entertaining. Uh, we probably played it 30 times, and we beat it once. Wow. Now, the real question I have is, is there a Don't Drive Angry card? Uh, I think there is. Let's see. There's Generous Handout. There's the Alarm Clock. The Energetic Broadcast. Once again, the eyes of the nation have turned. Uh, avoiding the Puddle. There's Fixing the Flat Tire. The gluttonous lunch where he's not worried about diabetes. Learning yes, the piano. Is there an, an I am a god card? Uh, I'm 90% sure there is. Good, good. But yeah, uh, it's it's so much fucking fun. We, is we there love a, the a Rob an armored truck car? <laughs> um, I think so. Almost every moment in here. It, 
So it's, uh, what is it? It's one. So what is that? It's 70 cards. Wow. Yeah. So it, it's 70 moments from the movie. Cause it's, it's they're one through 12, no heart, one heart, two heart, three heart, four heart. So yeah, five times 12, 60. There's 60 cards. Not too bad. No. And it's, it's, it's a load of fun. Uh, you'll get so fucking close to winning and then you'll lose and you're like, fuck. And then you start again. Start the loop. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, uh, weird sleeper game. Fucking 10 out of 10. Easy as shit to yeah. learn. Learned in like I 30 ex- seconds. Wouldn't expect the board game, card game, whatever, based on the fucking 1990 Bill Murray's movie yeah. to, to be fun. Yeah, no, it was, it was fucking, uh, and we played that so many times, so many times. Hmm. Well, thematic, since it was Groundhog Day weekend, yeah, was, was, cabin week. Yeah, who would have thought that uh, a board game, let's see, what, Groundhog's Day was, what, 92, 93? When was it? 90? Uh, early 90s, I'm not super sure exactly. I think I called when. it 80s earlier. I was thinking Ghostbusters, but no, Groundhog's Day. I think it's, mm, I think it's 93. 93? Yeah, right. yeah. Yeah, so that game was produced in 2021. Wow. <laughs> yeah, bye. You ready for this? It's a Funko game. Uh, they do own more than just the goofy bobbleheads. So. Yeah. But yeah, um, great game. All right. I have to give it a go sometime. Yeah. You got uh, any other just honorable mentions you want to throw out there? Oh, nothing off the top of my head. I don't, I don't think I've got any others either. That was a pretty pretty solid list of it. But listeners, you know, write in. Tell us tell us some of your favorite board games. Uh, tell us how Catan doesn't suck and we're wrong, even though Catan sucks and you're wrong. I still think Catan is just okay. It is not even okay. I just I yeah, we've had some uh, some some listener interaction lately. It's been fun talking to you guys. Yes. So. Oh, I actually I actually meant to call that out. Yeah. So one of our listeners uh, has a company, Mindstone Games, and he actually sent us the playtest rules to a game he's working on called Rune Star D12, which is a uh, rank and file fantasy. So it's been a while since I've played any rank and file fantasy, but uh, we're gonna end up doing it with round bases because that's what we've got. But it, it looks really interesting because he's got, um, like, it's got armies of men and then elder races. So armies of men are, there's, like, Celtic, there's Arab, there's the Undying Legion, there's Saxons, your basic medieval fantasy. And then I figure Andrew will probably go with the elder races, which are orcs or beastmen, elves, dwarves, and goblins. So, you know, between the stuff that we have, we could we could probably scratch together a human v. goblin fucking fight and give this a playtest because I'm... I'm really excited to check this out. You know, he's one of the the first listeners. We've had a handful reach out to us, but he was one that I've actually gone back and forth with talking about things, uh, a lot about anxiety and starting a gaming group. So, yeah, it yep. was it was we great to hear from. Refer him. you to our last episode. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, that was that was why he reached out to me because he listened to it and saw that I posted it and he messaged me directly and we chatted about it for a little bit. Oh, cool. We are we are approachable, we are. and I am easier easier to talk to in text. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck it. I don't care. Fucking Discord video me. I'll chat with you. I'll chat about damn near anything. You guys know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tony is the more uh, amicable one in person. So. Which is weird, because I fucking hate people, but I'm real good at talking with them, and I enjoy it. I don't understand. See, I have the thing where I don't like people, and it's hard for me to talk <laughs> to them, so, you know. Well, you know, I've literally worked in the service industry for fucking... 20 years at this point so yeah. Ooh, and i worked in the service industry for like on <laughs> off for like five and i'm like hmm i want to die <laughs> oh yeah that doesn't go away <laughs> no yeah service industries 
<laughs> Glad I don't have to do that currently. Yeah. Hopefully never again. It's it's not too bad. It's awful. <laughs> oh, man. Look, Andrew, not all of us are blessed enough to fucking paint all day at work. I don't paint all day. I paint for two hours. I don't think I could paint in the kitchen. That'd be weird. That would be weird. Not impossible, though. Uh, you want that Mike's way with some null oil? Gotcha, bro. <laughs> yeah, I get that nice drizzle of Agrax yeah. to go with your, uh, you know, vinaigrette reduction or whatever. <laughs> oh man! So, uh, Andrew, you want to you want to do our plugs real quick? Oh, our plugs! Yeah, well, we are uh, available on Yieldy Instagram over at Dice Like Eyes Podcast, or you can reach Tony or myself. Tony's at uh, Mediocre Miniatures Painter, that and I am the Brush Goblin. Minis Painter. Minis Painter. Minis my painter. apologies. Plural. Uh, we do also have a Facebook and a Twitter, which I don't think either of us really check these days because both of those sites are hell sites. Uh, I, haven't I, I haven't looked at the Twitter in forever. I still occasionally post when we release an episode on the Facebook. Yeah, I haven't checked when my I personal remember. Facebook in like eight months. So <laughs> can't say much about the, uh, the, the, the the podcast one as well. So, you know, eh. Uh, best way to hit us is dicelikeeyespodcast at gmail.com speak to us directly uh, or become a member of our wonderful Patreon Dice Like Eyes Podcast you can uh, get access to our our uh, Discord channel you can talk to us directly and you know immediately start muting channels when we go off on a tangent about something so you know it's the, the fun social media stuff yeah you can do hop that. in on our uh, weekly Tuesday night hobby hangouts uh, which yep. are getting a lot of traction uh, most Tuesdays, with the exception of last Tuesday, because a bunch of us were at a concert. Uh, we'll get anywhere between you know, oh, yeah. four. That's and, why it was so yeah, dead. Four and seven to eight people on there at any time, just working on projects, shooting the shit. Uh, you yep. can also Send, uh, find us very rarely on Twitch. Very rarely, we do occasionally play Battlefield. Yep. You know, it's State uh, of Decay Two. Well, we're we're bad at games, and but we could be worse. I don't know, man. Could we? Probably. It would. Probably. It would be a task. Oh, but yeah, I think that's about all we've got for you today. So, Andrew, what kind of advice you want to leave us on? Um, if you are big into board games, be sure to get a very sturdy shelf because uh, I have kept my board games on the same shitty Walmart shelf for most of a decade and. Boy, oh boy, is that fucking thing warped! Oh my god, <laughs> get solid wood if you can, or find a way to support it. <laughs> Uh, you heard it here first, kids. Get a good board game shelf. And honestly, uh, add on to your advice there, if your shelf has a bracket to mount to the wall because it is top-heavy, fucking do it. If you live in an apartment, most apartments carpet all the way up to the baseboard. So if you push that shelf right against the wall, it's actually naturally going to lean forward. So either make sure you mount it to the wall with that weird little strap that it comes with everyone always throws away, or take it about two inches off of the wall so it's not on that raised lip of carpet threatening to tip over. Furniture advice. Furniture advice from your friendly neighborhood sandwich chef. Slash board game podcast host. Podcast host? Says tabletop wargermanhurst. Oh, man. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for listening. Have a good night. Goodbye. Dice like guys must be nice. To play some games with your friends Necromunda makes you wonder How friendships end So flip that table if you're able 
and consult your charts and graphs. <laughs> so let's have some fun and get it done. Or you can kiss my ass. Thank you once again for listening. You can always contact us at DiceLikeIcePodcast at gmail.com or find us on our Facebook or Instagram, also under Dice Like Ice Podcast. We would also like to give a big shout out to William James for our outro music and Scarlet Saturn for letting us use their music at the intro to our show. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.